1: Hello everybody, and welcome along to series 14. Not yes, yeah, series 14, episode number seven of midweek motorsport. It is just after eight o'clock here in the UK. Just to prove we're live, after seven overs, it's 63 for no wicked. Uh, up in London, I'm trying to hang off by the way, up in London is our executive producer Tim Greer. Good evening, Tim.
2: And they seem to be playing with a tennis ball given how far that <laughs> thing's flying out of the ground uh, over I, and over again. Do you
1: remember, are you, you're a bit younger than me, do you remember those powerball things that were the little bouncy balls that if you fired them off they went ridiculous distances? No. So Very, very hard compressed rubber they were and they were the scourge of many a... Uh, uh, a school corridor uh, when I was at school uh, it looks like somebody's hitting a, a, a power ball with a uh, with a cricket bath with a piece of willow it is going all over the place uh, at the moment uh, Tim on a pack programme tonight we have what?
2: Uh, we have all the usual features uh, we'll be talking uh, to some guests we have a big interview we've got news uh, we'll have some other voices that you might want to hear uh, some voices you might not want to hear, but tough. Uh, I'd like to start by going back to something from last week's show, though, Okay. and say that my decision not to run the Boston Marathon this year mm-hmm. should not be taken in any way as being a slight on Boston. No. I still like Boston. Yeah. It's one of my top ten coastal towns anywhere in Massachusetts, Right. Uh, and don't forget, I did go to Harvard. Right. For an afternoon. Found a nice little backstreet gelato shop, sat on the lawn in the sunshine.
1: hmm Lovely. Very good. Like it a lot. Like it a lot. Have you been getting a lot of hate mail from the Boston Tourist Authority? None at all. <laughs>
2: I think they're right. still wary over not holding an indigo race.
1: Ah, yes. We did
2: have a bit of a go with them for that.
1: Shall I do a bit of... Um a bit of housekeeping.
2: The yeah, what do people say on Twitter?
1: Well, I want to say hello to Matt Endine, first of all. He says, apologies for absence. I'm still ruining a bonnet pin, costing me fifth overall at the Pomeroy Trophy in my first ever race event at Silverstone at the weekend. Hashtag, what if? He says, 19th overall, second in class, out of 109 entries, still OK. But, it was a real case of what if? I was there on Saturday morning, having a cruise round the paddock, and... Um, on the way to uh, Heathrow Airport, actually, it dropped someone off to head back to the U.S. And I was amazed at how many cars were there and the variety of cars. And that is an event that I I'm, I have definitely got to do. Um, one of the oldest events in the U.K., the Promeroy Trophy. Look it up if you don't know what it is. It's a handicap race. Uh, actually uh, hello to right town lover who is metaphorically standing by for Midway Motorsport not literally Kevin Payne says no AFAs no apologies for absence for him back in the UK no live football might not be able to listen live but I will finish it uh, from the podcast in the car on Friday on the way to race retro Martin Webster up at 2 45 a.m. for work but looking forward to the podcast hello Martin whenever you're listening this at spectatorman Alexander Orton has said, uh, "Apologies for absence this evening. Out to supper with friends. I'll be on the podcast later." Jonathan Frank, very interesting this one. Um, AF half an ear. Apologies for half an absence. Gladly listening in on the way to work. We'll catch up in Bogota later this evening. Now, what I really want to know, Jonathan, is is that an autocorrect, or are you actually going to be in Bogota?
2: And can you bring us a package back? Stop it.
1: No airfares tonight for Tyler Kinghorn. He's having a snow day. Hello, everyone who's suffering from bad weather. Mike Sargent says, tuning into Midweek Motorsport and the coffee run, always a wonderful way to cap off the work day. He's tweeted, at specutainment, which is how you can get in touch with us. Sean Randall, no EFA's F- tonight for the first time in a while. Listening while editing about 5,000 pictures for a new website. Davey 2 Bruce tuned in, ready. Out of work early, says Justin Henderson. In the car by myself, listening live for the first time in months. Keep your eyes on the road, please. Carol Brink is tuned in in Monterey, overlooking the beer. Right turn, lover. Will uh, Gearbox Girl get the afternoon off from her uh, international... Elgato obligations though hmm. I have no idea what that means we'll ask her later on partial AFAs from Rod Chalmers who who cooks beef style burgers ahead of my late night swim training during the back end of the second half of the show I'm intrigued Rob I need to know more
2: I suggest it has no actual beef in it
1: Well, he said uh, meat and probably taste free yes meat free and taste free I see what you're saying yes Um Mis Gato's son contendos, says she Adam, uh, her gators are contenders apparently.
2: Um, I think she means she's got a happy pussy. Oh,
1: right. Okay. That, that's
2: uh, my reading of that. I, it's a while since we've done any news in Spanish, but
1: well, it's, it's true. Well, and and as we well know, she does like to share uh, pictures of her shit poo poo. Um, If you haven't seen Boo Boo, uh, he is an absolute corker, particularly when he's just been cut. Uh, Marcus Miller says, I'm here, waiting for an electrician. Um, And working and listening live, Ben Parker tonight. As well as Adrian Lightning League, who says, late again, here now, I'll just have to copy other people's notes. Very good. And finally, uh, Sankey says, I'm here, live, just finished my tuna steak dinner. That sounds better than beef-style burgers, doesn't
2: it? It meat.
1: meat. Uh, Let's play the jingle and get into the top story. Lots to get in tonight.
0: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
1: What's the top story tonight? By the way, Nick Damon not with me tonight. We're going to try and connect to him. He's in Europe at the moment. What's the top story tonight then? And as you haven't asked me to get... That Nick yet? It's probably not going to be Formula One. It's not Formula
2: One, although okay. I'm sure Nick could uh, have talked about this if uh, we really wanted him to. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with some endurance racing.
1: Yay! And
2: the FIA World Endurance Championship. Oh yes, yes. Uh, because there has been a meeting uh, in Paris. Uh, there has today. Some yes, yeah, some people
1: were there. Some people were remote. This is all about the uh, LMP 2020 regulations. And, and I'll get to the meeting in a moment. But for those of you who uh, either subscribe to or can get a, a look at Automotor and Sport, um, Mark Schurig, once again, has been uh, spot on the uh, all of the news. And he's been all, all, all over this for ages. Um, actually I actually had a long chat with him in Australia whilst he was putting this article together that came out in the magazine uh, this week. Basically... Um, there's a bit of a crisis going on with the WEC and the ACO's new regulations in that nobody's signed up. Now, except Glickenhaus, of course. Um, uh,
2: these are the Marche regulations. The,
1: the car forage, yes.
2: But the, without four cars.
1: Yes, without four cars at the moment, only with one car uh, at the moment. Um Originally, you'll remember Gerard Navar said the new lmp one regulations um, were looking at seven potential uh, manufacturers. New hypercar rules, hybrid, temporary all-wheel drive, all of that stuff. We've seen the draft regulations. Now, there's been an awful lot of chit-chat, rumour and speculation about this. We've... Um, Given you what we have been able to talk directly to the manufacturers, including that proposal a few weeks ago, uh, now about a month, a couple of months ago now, wasn't it? That GTEs might well be uh, the top class. And uh, Marcus actually talks about that in his uh, in his article in Automotive and Sport as well. Um, there's still no one that signed up. Uh, none of the major manufacturers have, have signed up, not even... Toyota, And what it seems is that the regulations as they stand are going to become a starting point. And funny enough, I I did an interview when I was in Australia where I said, effectively, these are draft regulations. I know they've been approved by the FIA uh, Sporting Committee, the World Motorsport Council. But I think they're just a starting point. I I just think there's somewhere to talk. The problem is to start talking and start the discussions. The problem is, of course, 2020 season is less than 18 months away isn't it it's going to start in september 2020 and it's getting tight Um, the other problem is that nobody seems to like the regulations as they stand and they've all stuck their oar in um not sure that there's any great consensus about what might happen Um, toyota are the only remaining manufacturer of course in lmp1 at the moment Ford are not now uh, saying they're not now interested. Uh, BMW uh, probably ending up their GTE commitments as as Ford uh, are at Le Mans this year. Where are they going to go? So that left McLaren, Aston Martin, and Ferrari. Um, Aston Martin just talking about their new 003 version of the Valkyrie uh, today but apparently a thin hope there as uh, Marcus says um, perhaps Red Bull with Adrian Newey could do a license agreement with Aston Martin similar to the DTE model um, but that now looks like Aston Martin are not able to commit to the regs at least as they stand uh, they The Under new ownership as well, of course, uh, at the moment. Uh, Ferrari, well, they would be looking to sell customer cars and they don't believe they can do that at the moment. And McLaren, um, well, they've got their Formula One issues to sort out as well uh, at the moment. So where does that leave these regulations? The answer is in a state of flux uh, in all honesty, this meeting today was to try and get some consensus from any of the manufacturers who have shown interest in the past. Uh, Some people went to um, Paris, some people were doing it remotely. Um, Super GTE on the table, problem there. Um, How do you make them quicker than LMP2 cars? Um, A lot of the manufacturers that I've spoken to who, alright, they didn't want to be quoted, but they've been seeing that the biggest issue is with the hybrid, which sort of makes it look like IMSA got the for their formula right. But what is absolutely certain before anybody gets too worried about this is there will be some regulations sometime, and presumably sometime soon. And there's no point in it the FIA and the WEC, um, LMEM, the Le Mans Endurance Management, to uh, run the, the WAC for the FIA and the ACO, there's no point in them putting out a set of regulations that nobody's going to sign up to. So, for me, it's entirely appropriate that instead of just pushing along with something that they can't get a consensus for, that they have to go back and renegotiate. Is this a similar story to what you might have heard of elsewhere, away mm. from motorsport? Um, I, I think this is really sensible. Um, I do think, however... Uh, and, I, and I've heard from a, a number of sources inside the organisation of the WAC that uh, there is some consternation within the management, as you might imagine, and that uh, it, this could lead to some changes in the WAC um, in, in terms of how it's run and who runs it. We'll report more on that when we get some firmer information.
2: Not, but this all sounds very similar uh, to another set of new regulations, yep. uh, and one which is coming in uh, to effect much sooner uh, than the hypercar regulations, mm-hmm. and this is the uh, new GT2 regulations, yeah. uh, which uh, are being raced for the first time in five months. Yes, there's uh, a small
1: problem with it, though, isn't there?
2: There is a small problem with that in that. Well, they've got
1: some cars, in fact, yeah, which is, they, they have which some is better cars. than where the, the WEC. Yes, the they have some cars. Are.
2: All of the cars uh, are made by uh, well known manufacturers uh, who've had plenty of success in sports car and endurance mm-hmm. racing. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of them Porsche 911s. Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, GT2 is GT2 Porsche Cup for the it's moment. A,
2: it's, it's a Porsche Cup uh, race. And why is that? Uh, because no one else has built one yet.
1: Yes. Um, hmm.
2: Porsche, uh, on the uh, other hand... Uh, very
1: happy selling cars like mad. He's, uh,
2: he's uh, on its way to building 200 of them.
1: Well, and, and good for them. You know, good for them. They're... Um, they've seen a business opportunity they've responded to it the quickest and you know i i think that uh other people will come along for that because that's a more accessible formula and and it's based on something that already exists um the the issue with the 2020 lmp regs is that it's effectively a blank sheet of paper and as with anything that's committee-based, everybody's got a everybody's got a view on it and everybody has got a vested interest in, in making theirs better than everybody else's and making it most relevant to their marketing campaigns and and therein lies the issue
2: uh, Let's move on to a different WEC story
1: Alright, I thought you were going to ask me about the Valkyrie No Alright
2: uh, And Let's
1: just uh, uh, one on, thing then. to say is Everybody's been looking at the Aston Martin today, the, the Valkyrie 003, which is their third version of, of that super, hyper, mega car. Um, let's just remind ourselves, the first version hasn't turned a wheel yet. Um, and the AMR version's not out yet. So this is the third version, but it's not out yet. And also that the original 2020 regs, there was nothing in that that said you had to have a road car. Or indeed, a number of cars. You could build one. You could build one. It's proper prototypes. That's how it was. But whether that will remain, I don't know. I just think everybody needs to calm down. And I love the concept. I love the idea of big motor manufacturers taking on bespoke um, um, chassis manufacturers. We've got Orica and Rebellion talking about doing a car. We've got Bycolis uh, putting out a, a rendering It is a very basic rendering, in fairness. Um, We've got Glickenhaus. We've got other people who are interested. But at the moment, we haven't got consensus on the regulations. And that needs to come and needs to happen quickly. Or the other thing that could happen is the new regulations could be put off. And we could grandfather everything in as it is. The problem with that, Tim, is that, as you know, and as we've talked about here on Midweek Motorsport, the ACO tend to have a rolling uh, regulation change yes, formula they, they within they do a itself. class
2: at a time. Yes. So the, if you put this back, then you're eating into another class or grandfathering another class.
1: Correct. Exactly so. Exactly so. Sorry, carry on.
2: Uh, you mentioned by collars there. A couple yes. of weeks ago, we mentioned that they weren't on the entry list for Sebring. No, they weren't. Uh, due to an engine problem. Yeah. Uh, which was that they didn't have one. Uh,
1: They were in dispute with their engine supplier, I think it's fair to say.
2: Yes. Uh, They now have a new engine, and they're going to be racing it at Spa. Uh,
1: That is the penultimate round of this long transition season.
2: It will now use a a 4.5 litre V8 Gibson engine. Yep. Uh, which, Solid we know, is we know, is a good engine because mm-hmm. uh, other people have been running it. Yes, correct. Uh, John Manchester from Gibson says, Everyone at Gibson is delighted that our engines have been chosen by yet another top-flight team. We're looking forward to working with Collars in the coming seasons, and this new partnership signals the start of an exciting new phase in their efforts to compete at the highest level of world sports car racing.
1: Third different engine that they've had. They've uh, gone AER Nissan Gibson. So they're running out of people after this, unless they can persuade Cosworth to do them a mortar.
2: Yes. Uh, While we're on the subject of W. C. and Le Mans, if you were at Le Mans on Saturday... Yes. ...and saw lots of crashed and burning cars... Yep. ...do not panic. No. It It was was the ACO's annual Marshall Fire Training Day. Yep. 400 marshals were present along with uh, ACO representatives, including Eduardo Freitas, Patrick Morisot, Jean Marc Del Tang, and Guillaume Longlay.
1: Right, okay. Uh, before we leave WEC, a couple of other stories. Um, Brennan Hartley uh, will be subbing for Jensen Button uh, up until Le Mans because Jensen's got clashing commitments uh, in Japanese GT. Uh, and he will be first out as an SMP driver, Will Brendan, also, by the way, a Ferrari sim driver with Antonio Foucault, Davide Rigon and Pascal Verline? So welcome back uh, to uh, sports car racing for Brendan. Um, Brendan will be out first as an SMP driver at the WEC Test, 29 cars on the list for the Test. Um, Not there who will be in the 1,000 miles of Sebring Corvette Racing, well they kind of know their way around there, Uh, Jackie Chan DC Racing and Dragon Speed. Everybody else there for the test with at least one car and don't forget uh, when it gets to race week in the second week of March you'll be able to hear coverage of every session live on RS3 or indeed partially on RS1 because we've got Midweek Motorsport in One of those sessions, or are we going to move that to... Uh,
2: Midweek Motorsports has been delayed for that week. We're now starting at 8.35.
1: Okay, so straight after the session? Yes. Right, Okay, and that doesn't clash with anything else then? Uh,
2: It clashes with lunch, I believe.
1: Ah, okay. Excellent. Well, so long as you don't mind us doing it from Marion's, that'll be great.
2: Well, I'm guessing that Johnny Palmer will do the uh, WEC commentary, so you can uh, have lunch during that. And then we'll all switch from RS3 to RS1 and uh, send Johnny for lunch.
1: Sounds reasonable. Uh, absolutely reasonable. Uh, that As uh, Tim says, RS3 for every session uh, brought to you with Michelin and Porsche. Michelin uh, USA and Porsche USA as well. And before we leave, um, just something else that we... I can't remember whether this broke just after the show last week or whether we... Literally didn't have time to squeeze it in. And that uh, a small but significant change to safety car regulations at Le Mans. Did you pick this Uh, up, Tim?
2: This was uh, Thursday last week. So, yes, this is... um, uh, I don't think it's that significant, actually. I think all they're going to do is use full-course yellows more.
1: The reason it's significant is because um, one of the contributory factors to Porsche winning by a lap, not winning, but winning by a lap this year um, was because they, with the safety car out, they managed to get picked up by a different one of the three safety cars, uh, the car that won that is, than everybody else in the class. So they were able to do a pit stop and get out and everybody else, when they did the same, they dropped back behind another safety car and that gave them a huge, huge advantage. And so what they're going to do is they're going to change the pit entry and exit rules so that you can get out What's normally happened is when a group of cars goes by behind a safety car, the pit lane exit is closed and does not go green again until the next safety car comes through. Well, under full course yellows, that's not going to be the, the case. What they will do is it will stay green as your bunch of cars goes through and stay green and stay green and stay green. And the only time that would it would go red is... If there was a safety car called after that. So basically you cycle back in to uh, the cars, the the train of cars, without losing potentially a third of a lap or, or even more. So that is actually a significant change.
2: Should we do right. some single-seaters now? Uh,
1: yes. Does that mean I've got to get Nick on the line? It does. Right. Well, Nick isn't here uh, this week. Uh, he's on assignment in Europe. Will we ever get him back? We're not sure. But, uh, Tim, that must mean... It, what are we talking now?
2: We're going to talk about Formula One.
1: Hooray! Is hooray! that is that is that your slightly yeah. toned-down version because you're in a public place?
3: That's my... I'm in an airport, and behind me there is a queue of people shuffling onto a Ryanair flight okay. who, um, who, uh, who are annoyed enough without hearing a man shouting hooray, okay. uh, almost mocking their queuing.
1: Yes mocking their bad luck at being on Ryanair
3: no because I'm on a Ryanair flight as well
1: oh dear
3: I'm going to Stansden what did I do wrong
1: oh dear I know I, mm, okay shall we move on quickly <laughs> yes, uh, please. to please do. Uh, Brazil um, now the yeah. venue for the Brazilian Grand Prix is
3: where in Lagos in Sao Paulo near the, near the big lagoon but for, um,
1: but for how much longer
3: well, um, yeah. Well, I think it about three years and obviously it's owned by Emerson Fittipaldi and now there's a rumor they want to move it somewhere else to a track that doesn't exist or hasn't been built or needs upgrading and where's the money coming from and, 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 and basically.
1: Rio de Janeiro is,
3: yes, is back there.
1: in the frame again. Uh, well, Lagos to be privatised, apparently.
3: I didn't know. I didn't know. Is it is it suddenly back under the energy of the Sao Paulo um, local wow. prefecture then?
1: There you go. Um, you see.
3: I I don't know. The thing about Sao Paulo is Sao Paulo has for uh, pretty much the entirety of its existence as a Grand Prix venue, so, so late '80s onwards, been subpar. It's been below the rest, but let off by Bernie in the days of ever-glowing glowing grillitz because he needed something in South America, um, and obviously the Brazilians have a fantastic. Um, Rapport with F1 and provide so many of the drivers and everything else, so they kind, of, kind of let off. Um, but with every passing year, even with some of the investments they've carried out, the track gets more and more less F1-y, not the actual track itself uh, or the s- Serious question.
1: The, yep. Um, WEC, several years mm-hmm. ago, left, took a sabbatical from Sao Paulo because they were building the new pit lane on. They we're going to re- the, the pit lane's one of the problems. It's an old pit lane. There's not a lot of room behind it. Um, it's pretty well, ramshackle. Re- they,
3: they rebuilt it um, about 15 years ago, and so it was less ramshackle. And then we're going to rebuild a new one, weren't they? On a kind of a massive podium type of thing, built up from the because there's a big drop behind the pits. Pit, so there's a massive drop. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in Logos, and some of them sort of eventually do. But of course, it's, it's always down to money. It always doesn't seem to have the money to do it. The money's promised by money is promised by regional government a before regional government a can spend it they've been voted out and regional government b are in and they're not sure about about uh, about using public funds and then then regional government c comes in and, and says absolutely no and then suddenly regional government a are back in again and and they mm. say yes and and you know that is the problem sometimes having a government-owned racetrack is it you know do we want to provide this that and the other to the public or do we want to build a racetrack of course the um it's always about intangible investments which obviously the argument happens every year in melbourne and albert park because obviously that's a lot of cash comes in the victoria state government they all go look how much is brought in but everyone goes but well, hang on how can you prove that and that's the, the argument about government support of um uh racing circuits
1: uh, just to prove that nick is in the uh, airport yes. there is a flight being called uh, behind him uh, even as we speak well, um uh, might give people a clue as which country I'm in mean, if you can work out what language that was. Oh, yeah. yes, very good. Yes, <laughs> I did. I I did. I, I may have already said it. Actually, I don't know. Um, let's talk about Formula One testing. Yes. Uh, Circuit to Catalunya, second yes. of, of uh, sorry, third day today, yeah. yes. uh, and the first time we saw a Williams on yes. the track. And and Claire Williams, I mean, I don't know what else she could have said, but I have to applaud her. It is embarrassing to get to a track and not being able to get the track on the car on track, and even. Though she's got the car on track for a few laps, it's not really the right aero. The aero hasn't arrived. I mean, this is Team Awful Williams just now Team Embarrassing Williams.
3: Well, I think it's quite interesting, John, because you, yeah, you and I were, were, were around together last Friday um, doing the programme that's on after this about the classic car show. And I remember you saying that every year you were saying that uh, McLaren can't get any worse. And I was saying Williams Williams can't get any worse. And they had. They've spectacularly shot themselves in the foot by missing over a quarter of the potential testing. And the car they turned up with isn't uh, anything like what it should be. It's missing most important um, aerodynamic surfaces. How this happened, don't know whose fault it is, don't know. Obviously Paddy Lowe is getting the uh, blame firmly stuck at his door. Um, They won't say what the reason was for the delay of two and a half days. The rumour is it's something to do with um, an issue with the actual way the the brake um, assemblies were put together so much they had to redesign them, remanufacture them and and prototype them uh, in between Saturday and now. So it's um yeah it's it's quite it's quite strange and and you know, we know nothing about the car the car's gone gone uh, it's blue and white it's done well, I think 27 laps today which is effectively the same as it would have done it had a shakedown which was cancelled on Saturday so they must have at one point thought the car would running on Saturday then found these last minute problems and then it you know shifted back four days and it was a very key four days it
1: doesn't help to me that it's in this light blue and white colour. And I can't remember which driver actually got out in it today. George, uh, George Russell. Right. Well, he's got a red top to his helmet, and I saw a picture pointing down, and with the red spot in the middle of it, it it looked like a dishwasher tablet.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it really should be sponsored by Powerball or somebody like <laughs> that. It's not the most attractive of cars. Listen, I, I I've got nothing against Williams. I think it's very sad to wear the. Way they've, They've ended up. I, I I wish for better things for them, as I'm sure uh, everyone at the, the team does, as all their supporters yeah, I mean, as well.
3: There's a lot of doom and gloom. No everyone's saying, oh, not only is it this, but also the car in simulations is rubbish, and there's you know everyone's heaping on more and more uh, disaster on top. Look, let's let's wait till next week's test. They will suffer. They'll suffer because they won't be able to run through the. Set up options they want to, but they, um, you know, we don't know. How, the good battery, different, we don't know. No. Yeah, they, they've made a horrible mistake. They've embarrassed themselves royally. It's very likely that at some point there will be a a, uh, a knife of the long knives and, and someone will pay for it. It may be someone very, very well known. It might be, you know, that actually falls at, like, a, I don't know, an engineering manager may have made the mistake, but it was uh, a big one. Um, and that it will have repercussions to the first four or five races of the season. But let's let them run the car tomorrow. Yeah. Let them run the car at the next test and let's see where we
1: are. Um, in, in, uh, there was quite a lot of long runs today uh, rather mm-hmm. than the, the fast stuff. We'll talk about how the hierarchy... Well, was
3: the, there was the fast stuff as well.
1: There was fast stuff this morning, definitely. No, it was before, half,
3: no 10 minutes before the end, they, oh, they had the fastest, uh, Sorry, had the I, I got
1: bored by then and started watching the cricket.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, you, see, you, see, you see the cricket, you see like that, that ticks along, but then suddenly F1 just launched
1: into excitement. A bit like Chris um, Gil in the 1D International yeah, one just launched into it.
3: The first three days of testing have been very, very very, very interesting. I'm not saying they've been exciting. And I think that uh, Sky have found out that it's very hard to have four hours of testing to fill every day. And that is a difficult thing to do when you've got 16 hours of action to fill the cars just going round with no reference points why they're going round.
1: Well, and, and um, of course, the F1 app have had all eight hours a day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some people.
3: I mean, you know, having on in the background is is, is, is fine. I can't believe that anyone sitting there glued to it. You know, probably is some terribly ardent fan somewhere. I don't think. I think you know, if, if we if we again if we read the ridiculous fetid ramblings of uh, the various uh, Twitter sphere and You know, obviously uh, Ferrari have already won the world championship, oh, and uh, Mercedes are you know have got a terrible problem, and you know Red Bull don't know what they're doing, and this. I mean. Let's be really honest about this. I could have given you, I, I basically, it was a pound to a penny that Ferrari would have had the fastest time on day one. And yeah. the reason we had the fastest time on day one is for just to shut the Italian press up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only reason. They had the fastest time on day two again, so they wanted to make sure that Charles Leclerc could shut the Italian press up just as much as Settle uh, had. And today, is he just really slow in
1: the third sector or is was he sandbagging? Oh, no, you can't. Again, who knows? Who cares? Who knows? And actually, who cares? Uh, it's practice before um, practice before practice. Um, exactly. There was a bit but of no, worry no, no. down at um, down at Renault yeah. with the yeah, wing me, failure for Ricardo. Yeah. That means they can't use DRS.
3: Well, yeah, but let me, like, I just, just carry a little bit on, on on the on the whole point about testing. I mean, and we always say no one knows what's going on. But, you know, the fact is that at the moment today, the slowest outside of Williams, who only ran twenty-seven laps, the slowest team with both their drivers running in F1 is Mercedes. Mm and if anybody believes that you are insane the fact is that mercedes have just not bothered doing fast laps they haven't no. bothered taking the fuel out they haven't bothered running on either of the two softest compounds and on the whole they've been on the second hardest and just pounding around and whenever you see these signs in the reports they're doing long runs and their long run time is there or thereabouts mm. um, same with Red Bull. Red Bull, I think, had a couple more teething problems, which is the whole point of testing. But they still managed 100 laps. They're there or thereabouts. At the end of the day, we saw a bit of barnstorming from Toro Rosso. They put on a fa- the softest tyre of all, went fastest. We saw Renault with Ricciardo uh, coming, I think, third. With Kimi
1: Räikkönen, 39-year-old Kimi Räikkönen, still fast
3: realistically, if you take the fuel out and stick, stick the softest tires on any of these cars at a reasonable time of day when there's some temperature in the track, they're going to go fast yeah. compared to the cars which are, which are running with 70 kilos of fuel on a hard tire. Um, just going go back to your point sorry, before that is, yes, the Renault um, had a rear wing failure, um, looked like a compromise like of the DRS, it, you know, the, the DRS angle when they tried to close it at the end of the straight, it just fell off. Um, so
1: rather than which is not uh, how it's designed to work I would think well
3: no but don't forget of course DRS is opening wider this year Ah. it's more of a DRS effect well McLaren
1: had an interesting take on that where they kept having barge boards falling off
3: yeah it's it's, it's indicative that they've got a vibration issue or a harmonics issue or just they're trying to make the uh, the mount so light they can't Support the, the weight. I mean, that's again. This is the whole point of testing, John. Yeah. This is what you They're do great. it for. You, you you trundle around, and the reason why we the reason they do 60 laps, they do a race distance, is to find out what happens in what a race bricks. distance with race distance temperatures, with race distance where. Oh look, that's fallen off. Fine, I'm glad it's fallen off. Now it means we can beef it up, and it won't fall off in Australia. This is this is you know. I think the the Renault thing was was they were unlucky for it to break, but lucky it didn't cause any major damage to the car okay. cause obviously, and they they. Sensibly not going to use DRS, but they've got another four days of testing next week, and they'll be fixed by then. I mean, what is remarkable is the reliability of the cars. Yeah. Apart from the Haas having a bad day today, the, 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 three the red flags
1: called by Haas today.
3: Yeah, the thousands of laps. I mean, Mercedes. I think also, I think it was being be proven. Also, I think with this um massively improved reliability, I think Mercedes' idea of, of giving both the drivers half a day actually appears to be the best way of doing it yeah. because. The physical limit on a racing driver appear to be like, you yeah, we've seen uh, both Raikkonen and Fettel, and I think also Leclerc, uh, do about 130, 135 laps, which is two race distances, because at that point, that's really hard. Yeah. You know, so, but what but, but Mercedes have done is by okay. giving both their drivers 85 laps, they end up doing 100, as you get more laps by well, doing this half and half, and of course, yeah. they can then recover during the, the following day. So I think that may, you may see with this reliability improving that more teams will look at this, this, this split. Um, day concept. You yeah. know, it there's not a lot of change between the two cars. The pedals. Yeah,
1: go okay. uh, Sorry. Uh, well, changes on the car, you, you were saying that. Okay, changes on the car, front wings, rear wings, different. Lewis Hamilton said couldn't feel any difference at all when he was following another car.
3: Well, you're not going to feel any difference, are you? Until you get in the heat of battle. Because when you're following another car and testing, you don't really care. Um, when you're following a car in a race, it's really, really important, isn't it? True. Um, there was a good point made, actually, that I read, that actually, in many ways, if, if they managed to stick with the status quo, that is an improvement, because otherwise, if they'd left the way things were, it would have got worse. Yes. So by Cars Steve, are no they, slower,
1: are they? They were expected to be two seconds um, of slower, and they're not really.
3: The, apparently, the, the is saying, there's a little bit of gain in their tyres, but there's also a bit of gain in the, the fact the track, remember, was brand new last year, and a bit oily, and also it was horrendously cold. Remember, it okay. had snow the first two or three
1: days. Oh, uh, yes, that's right.
3: So they basically... Um, had better grip, and a uh, little so the grip had made up for the loss of the air, which okay. is probably second and a half.
1: Right, I want to move through a couple of other points. Uh, some quotes for you. Um, okay, go on. Who said, it's the <laughs> best ever, and what, was, what were they talking about? Uh,
3: I think that was Carlos Sainz. He was talking about the coffee.
1: No, it wasn't. It normally, was, not, uh, not normally re- in recent times, not given. I'll give you a clue here. Normally, mm-hmm. in recent times, not giving given to doing anything else other than having a bit of a whinge and a moan? Gary it. No! <laughs> Christian?
3: Horner! Oh, right. And yes, what was so he talking packaging. about? Packaging, packaging of, the, of the Honda engine. Yeah, everything's going fine with the Honda engine at the moment. They, they said they had a couple of team trouble with the car no I don't know what part it was. It's packaged like a Swiss watch. It's marvellous. Everything's great. Uh, let's wait for it to blow up when they start the recriminations but I think I'm not unique in thinking that. I think everyone's kind of agreed that this is a uh, Cast, a your
1: mind back. Period. Cast your mind back. Ron Dennis said exactly the, th- the the same thing when Honda first turned up at McLaren.
3: Yeah. But, you know, it's, it, they, they, they're in their fourth year, or fifth year, and they should be able to get the car to work, and they can, the engine to work. So it, 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 when it gets actually, you know, the thing is, when they actually get out there in anger, and, you know, if anyone thinks any of the uh, teams have really bothered to turn the engines up as well, you know, there's, there's no. With ninety horsepower all of them. Can that. I
1: ask you a question on that? are these engines part of their season allocation? No, not at all. Not right. at all. So they could um, be anything. They, oh, do they have to be they don't even go through scrutineering, do they?
3: Yes they do. The cars have the cars okay. have to be um sorry, they don't go through scrutineering, but they can be scrutineered. And the cars have to be legal as far as weight and safety is concerned. But, of course, they, they are allowed to do things they wouldn't be allowed to do in a race, but they carry those, those large aero fences and things like that. So you're allowed to do things you couldn't do in a, a full race. But the actual core car has to be you know, legal, honest, decent and truthful. It has to be the right weight. It has to have all the safety features and everything else. But you can stick on things you wouldn't be allowed to normally for, for monitoring purposes. Uh,
1: I'm pleased to see Alpha going so well. Uh, Everybody's struggling Ooh. with the uh, new team names which is quite funny. Are they? I'm not. No, neither am I. <laughs> uh, so that continues Thursday, um, and then there's another test next week, which is back where? In next uh Barcelona again. Back oh, it's Mexico back ba- week, ba- 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 Okay.
3: Yeah, they were at one point Then to go to the Middle East and they can that.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, well remembered. But yeah, Did... the
3: thing about it is, though, if you look at it, I mean, the reason being they got so right well was last year, the temperatures was awful, like 0 to 4. Now, they've been starting the morning at 7, but they've had like 17 degrees air temperature there, which is getting no, obviously it's not as it would be on the race day, but it means you do get at least enough into the track to be for worthwhile testing.
1: So we've gone to Silverstone this weekend. For that, it's going to be 18 degrees it's in the centre. Going to be lovely. Yeah. Time um, to get the motorbike out again. Of course, I got it out when it was pouring of rain and freezing on that, Tuesday. That,
3: that went well, didn't it? Did go very well. <laughs>
1: It looked like I'd been motocrossing by the time I got back. I had to wash the bike immediately. <laughs> I literally couldn't see through the windscreen or, drive I, my, or my visor.
3: It's I just awful. drove the Quadrifoglio uh, home. It was fine.
1: Yeah, well, it's already dirty <laughs> and grey anyway, so it makes no difference. <gasps> um, How could you? I didn't say it's not a nice car. By the way, when I'm following it, that uh, diffuser under the rear of the car, that's very close to the road. Does it work? Uh, well,
3: are you, are you the, 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 I don't uh, think you the, were going quick enough, mate.
1: To be honest, oh, no. I wasn't um, at fifty-five. So we'll reserve, reserve judgment on Formula One until. Um, Let me tell
3: you right now, we will know an awful lot more when we get after qualifying at Australia. To, no, no, no. We'll know a lot more when we get to the end of the next test session. You because think? people will, yeah, because people will be trying a little bit harder. Um, and they will learn a huge amount from the first one and you'll see a lot of stuff, not necessarily visual stuff, but a lot of technical stuff will be, will be improved between the you know, setup and that sort of thing, between test one and test two. And, you know, we may, we may not see Mercedes bother putting lap times in. Don't forget, Mercedes, Mercedes' number one um, effort and, uh, and focus this year is to improve tyre life. And yeah. you only test your tyre life if you're running the car heavy.
1: Yeah, good point. Um, before we let you go off your plane, um, yeah. <laughs> Formula E. At the weekend, yes. Mexico City Formula
3: on a... E. It took me back, John. It took me back. Why? Because I have raced electric cars since 1980. Mm-hmm. One, sorry. And up until about 2002, we were constantly going flat on the last lap. Constantly running out of energy on the last lap. Yeah, that, that was the biggest battle you had was, just, was to keep. Was to, then of course, battery technology took off. We've now got so much power we can just throttle jam the whole way around. I've lost races. I've won races because I or somebody else has gone flat on the last lap. What did
2: you
1: think it's, of the track? A modified version, a shortened version, and a different run through the baseball stadium.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I mean, it was better than at least you could tell where it was. And my, you know, one of my complaints about Formula e- tracks is when you, they, when they build these. Uh, you know, pre uh, sort of race tracks in city centers they, they all end up looking the same because they just ran around town's of fences. at least mm-hmm. that one looked different they they, they made, made sure they used a the baseball stadium. they got a good, crowd in, oh, good very crowd good crowding of crowd. the Mexicans um, can I say with-
1: from my point of view the most disappointing part of it was mm-hmm. how the cars looked on the track I thought the racing was great I thought the mm-hmm. crowd was great I thought the presentation was great but I am now very much of the opinion that Formula E should never ever ever go on proper race tracks I just yeah, don't think it had the bit. same um, no, excitement they, they, of gravitas. Yeah, they kind of... You they know, looked slow down they, the front they've, straight.
3: Yeah, they've gone, they've gone for this kind of spacey design, which, you know, perhaps... Oh, it, I like it, that. It, but, yeah, I mean, they, they're not, you know, whatever you say, they're not quick. I mean, you know, they've got 320 horsepower. They try and hide that by saying kilowatts, which no one understands. Um, you know, and they managed to get a bit of action by the, um, the whether it's called, the... Super hyper loop thing, whatever it is. Uh, super Mario Brothers. Attack. Um, no, attack what was, what was, mode. What was really interesting was they, everyone was saying it's going to be a flat-out race. It went flat-out, and then they ran out of energy. There, well,
1: Despite the fact they watch? had a long red flag. So well, no,
3: because they no, because they re, they rewound the clock back, so they still ran the same amount of time. Maybe it was a bit longer, but yes. they. Um, but they had that here
1: driving into a wall. Not really not a not really well, a headline there.
3: He drove into John Eric Vern first. I mean, uh, but the problem was when he drove into the wall. He didn't, he didn't. enable his teammate to win, but. um no, I mean, I think, I, think, I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, the energy management thing is, is interesting. I and thought it was great.
1: Having, I thought, it, I, I'll be honest, Nick, I thought I it added a whole, a whole, A yeah, whole. I, know, I couldn't. I, just, I was looking at this going, uh. That's not going to work. Yeah,
3: but, but surely, I mean, I don't know about you, but I could tell there was going to be an issue about eight laps out. Yeah. And I'm not a genius 15 from
1: that. the end, yes. Um, yes so
3: surely they could tell there was going to be a problem.
1: So well, we're endurance fans, and I remember. And people go. And by the way.
3: John, they have clever people on the wall, and they have, they have more information than we've got. And but, I just. Having, having run, as I said, with energy management since I was 15, 16, you know what it's all about. And I and think.
1: Here's the thing. A lot of people seeing how disgraceful it was that people ran out. Oh, that, that added to the spectacle for me. And I remember absolutely. Group C. Like, and I remember Formula One in Formula the. Formula the Turbo In turbo the Turbo Era, exactly. Yeah.
3: No, 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 this is is, is good they've run out. This is good they've run out.
1: This is great. I agree. I
3: I, I despair and I feel very sorry for Sebastian Blamey and Oliver Rowland because they were obviously working to a level by their teammate. But at some point, they must have an indicator on their dashboard. Yes, they do. And they know how many laps are left because they'll have that as well. They must have worked, they should be able to work out themselves. They're in trouble and start modulating their own performance. And, and that's where you think, well, you're just relying think, too much on your
1: pit bull and think not thinking on your feet. Think back to Jan Mardenborough a couple of weeks ago in the big interview when he was saying how important running those sim sessions were. And how mm. if you don't use the regen lever instead of the brake pedal, you're not going to get to the end. And I, I wonder if some of these drivers, in the excitement of racing, because it was a good race. Look, it's a spec race. Regardless of what anybody says, they're all basically the same car. So, you know, they've all got the same potential for performance. In a spec race like that, I wonder if they just forgot and got overexcited. <sighs>
3: don't know it's a very good point i mean i i just think that they were too busy listening to the pit wall. the pit wall got itself miscalculated well i think i think there was an extra lap not an extra. Lap. i think they're on the on the bubble because it's 45 minutes plus a lap i think they're quite and they went close across with having... nine
1: seconds to go or yeah. five seconds to go and yes. i think
3: that was the issue that's they very true. ended up getting getting it wrong but that's something you should be able to work out a long way back the counting back's not difficult and then the lap time of course is actually a minute we even easier um so, yeah, I mean, but the running out of electricity is absolutely perfect because it's not, oh, always another range anxiety. No, it's the whole point about motorsport. Motorsport, in any event you can't refuel in, which is everything apart from endurance racing, yep. then you can run out of fuel. Yeah. And and that's part of the, in very common, it's a part of the fun. It's part of the, I think it's brilliant. I think it's the first time I remember it happening, in, and it's great. I mean, that's what you want to see because it was won by the team who were clever enough to, you know, work out what they were doing or lucky enough because obviously we're... we're uh, Verline ran out but mm. great great stuff I mean in fairness, fair yeah,
1: Verline, who had the uh, sense to just lift off and disconnect everything yep. and coursed across the line because even though he was at 0% he mm. didn't use any more so he didn't overuse because there's always a bit left
5: mm.
1: it's not just going to grind to a halt but all of... He's, um, yeah, I mean, the, the problem was, of course, he'd, he'd blown it
3: half a lap earlier by cutting the chicane and not, and not waiting. So he lost five seconds that cost him five, four places. And if it, yeah. Ironically, if he'd actually then let Di Grassi go past, he would have got second. Um, we wouldn't have an exciting end, but he would have got the second because he would have still managed to make it because he didn't have to lift off. He'd just go
1: slowly, which he needs to do anyway. Yeah. Um,
3: it was great. Well, listen. No, I, I thought really, it was a great I, event. I, 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 Notwithstanding no, I really, really, what I, I said
1: about the track, I, I, I think it's a great think, event. They'll undoubtedly go back there.
3: Yeah, they, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it was one of the, the better events. I, I mean, they've been, they've been a bit of a hyperbole, but they've all been superb races. But that really was a superb race.
1: Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Jaguar race uh, with <laughs> uh, Adam uh, a bit <laughs> later on. All right, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go and stand in a queue for your flight. Are you back yeah, here next to. week?
3: Uh, oh, probably yes. Yes, right. I can't even remember what we, what, where we are in the weeks, where I'm going, but no, uh,
1: no yes, yes, I am. Right, here well, next week. see you next week, Nick. Travel well. Or, Cheers, as they say where you are, uh, Farsgut.
3: Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that to be announced.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I had a few other announcements while he was talking there.
1: Yeah, uh, just prove we're still live. 126 for one, 17th over. Just about to start. What are
2: we chasing, by the way?
1: Uh, 361. Okay. Doable. We're ahead at the, on the worm at the moment. I can do. Uh, I know you've got
2: can another I single. Just, s- so you didn't ask um, Nick about the funniest Formula One story of the week, which was uh, yesterday uh, afternoon. Pietro Fittipaldi got a chance to uh, test the Haas. Right. Uh, do you know why that was? Don't say because he's their test driver.
1: Um, because somebody forgot something important.
2: Because Kevin Magnusson's head is too big. Right.
1: He couldn't fit in his helmet.
2: His helmet doesn't fit in the headrest.
1: Ah. Right. That's fairly basic, isn't it? Mm. That's almost as good as um, Alex, brackets, Damien, close brackets, Albin, spinning four corners into his Formula One career. Because he was thinking to himself, don't spin, don't spin, don't spin. And, of course, he spun, where he should have been thinking, just drive.
2: Drive, drive, drive.
1: Yes. You should always make it a positive, never make it the negative. Uh, never make it the negative. Another single-seater story, and then I want to do a couple of tweets on the WEC regs from earlier.
2: Uh Formula 3.
1: Ah, which now? Hang on. Is that F3, Formula 3, or F3? This
2: is the FIA Formula 3... Series. See, even you don't know. This is not Formula 3. Right. But it's what the FIA would like us to believe is Formula 3. Okay. Because the car uh, got its first track run today in Manicourt. Right, great. 23 drivers uh, were allowed out. Yeah. Uh, All the teams were there. They had one car each. Right. So some teams like uh, ART and Campos got all of their drivers out uh, whereas some teams like uh, Sauber, remember them? Yeah. Uh, only got one driver out.
1: Yeah, very good. Uh, some quick tweets before we go to share. Adam, good evening share. How are you by the way?
4: Hello John. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, she's very
1: quiet. I, I can make that better. Um, <laughs> Cher just pointed out actually, talking about Formula E, Scott Elkins the... Uh, race director, actually had to tell professional racing drivers what a red flag meant. And that may have cost them some energy, sure.
4: Yeah, the red flag was thrown, and then they continued to circulate. I think they did one more lap before Scott came over the radio and said, guys, red flag means return to the pit lane, which is when they all came in. Some of them got out of their cars, took their helmets off, off and everything. But that still was time that wasn't then allotted mm. for when they went back to green. So right there, there's your extra lap.
1: Yeah, even though it was behind the safety card, don't disagree. Uh, With that, uh, Cliff Cliff Norris tweets, uh, just wondered if the team have stayed together or whether any of you have resigned and gone independent. A little bit of uh, politics there. Uh, And uh, Sarah. uh, Where is Sarah tonight? I saw that earlier on. Sarah Rigby is at the home of Bentley Motors tonight. Uh, Listening in. Uh, Glad to hear that Um, and a few people want to talk and and she's very excited about our um, program coming up after this which is Nick and I reporting from the London Classic Car Show so stay tuned uh, for that we'll have a little bit of classic car uh, coming up a couple of items that are classic in uh, in their basis coming up in the second hour a couple of people talking about the WEC, Dave Olcott. am I dreaming or do you think there's any hope of us seeing big manufacturers building prototypes for both themselves and clients? I'm thinking of the 956 and the 962 from Porsche with the Group C days. I'll have things just become too complex and expensive for that now. Discuss. It's a good one. Uh, primary problem with extending the current LMP1 regs, says Right Turn Lover on Spec Retainment, is that one or maybe two years, no one is going to build a new car. So there's not going to be any more entrants. There aren't going to be any new entrants anyway. I, 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 the the P1 private ear regulations are actually have actually been far more successful. than I think anybody uh, thought. Uh, and this from uh, Rob Chalmers, and I've just managed to scroll past it. How annoying! Um, I'll come back to that. Uh, a lot of people saying uh, there's a lot of sort of if then. This is from uh, actually from the responsible adult. Uh, the word of the moment is Flux. No need for hair on fire, we'll keep watching grief. Meanwhile, something looks like it'd be awesome. A lot of people saying thank you to both Michelin Race USA and Porsche for their uh, support of what we're doing at Spec Your Team. We'll do a few more of those in the uh, second half of tonight's programme. Uh, Shea Adam is here to talk uh, Imza for this part. We'll have her in the second half of the show as well, and uh, let's. Where are we going to start? It would have helped if I'd had me right piece of paper. Up <laughs> well, we're we're going to
4: Sebring, John.
1: Yeah, yes, Sebring. Testing yeah. at Sebring. Ford <laughs> were there yesterday, uh, and significantly, not just the factory cars.
4: Yeah, the cool big news that was um, announced when Ben Keating was on the show a couple weeks ago to talk about bringing a Ford GT to Le Mans, that came to life yesterday as Ben, Jerome Bleakmullen, and Felipe Fraga all got a chance to drive the number 68 Ford GT as it was at the track, but it was a Ganassi and Ford run test. They were there to observe, to get a feel, the first opportunity for those three guys to drive the car. And of course, for Bill Riley to get his hands on some of the spreadsheets that uh, have all the important information on them. So those three guys each getting a chance to take out the Ford GT that Ben has purchased and will be taking over to Le Mans. And then today, kind of surprised to see because there hasn't been a formal announcement yet, but Wins, the big sponsor. For Ben Keating and Jerome Blake Mullen and the Riley Technology Mercedes, tweeted that they can't wait to see their colors on the car at Le Mans. So, whether or not we are to read any more into that, kind of just a, a little bit of an interesting, maybe whoopsie, that benefits the rest of us. If that's the case,
1: remember holy what Ben cow. said. Yeah, remember what Ben said, though. They were testing it in the works colours. Remember what Ben yeah. said, though. The golden rule is the BAM with the gold rule. So, if the sponsor exactly. wants it a particular colour, it'll be that colour. Uh, 19th to the 22nd, 23 cars listed uh, for the test. This is the IMSA test not the seabrook uh, well, test talk- well
4: Hmm, yes it it is but it isn't john because it's not an IMSA sanctioned test there's no pit lane officials out there this is basically just a bunch of teams that all got together and rented out the track together yes
1: but this is not the WEC test is it
4: no no it's not it's only IMSA cars that is correct but no. it's not an IMSA sanctioned test there is a big difference between that so the cars out on track are having test days deducted from their allotment.
1: Right, and quite so a, quite a lot of them. Twenty three cars listed, but through the uh, wonderful um, actions of people on Instagram and Twitter, we know there's at least three three others. Uh, a couple of Ford yeah. GTS which aren't listed. The eighty six Acura, um, and we've also know that the, the third driver is for the two Porsches as well.
4: Yeah, both of them are there, Matthew Jaminet and Patrick Pile on Instagram, uh, lamenting of their travel woes yesterday, Mm -hmm. trying to get through Atlanta with all the big storms. So we know that Jam Jam is there. We know that uh, Fred McAvecky is also there as he was posting pictures from Sebring. So both of the third drivers are there. We've seen some quite staggering videos of the number 86 Acura going through turn 17 at massive pace so we know that that car is there even though it's not on the official entry list Um, but a couple of interesting things that were on that official list the testing list
1: i spotted this the number 10 wayne taylor racing the conic and Minolta cadillac there and with a driver that i spent some time with in the uh, quantus lounge coming out of sydney who is one of only a handful that will be doing double duty at super super
4: and apparently this was announced during the Daytona week, John, but I don't remember it. Um, I've seen pictures of Matthew Voxvier in the press media center as part of the announcement going into the 24 hours that he was going to be the endurance driver. But I don't remember that sticking for some reason. But Matthew clearly clicking with Ranger and Jordan very well in the Daytona winning mm. DPI The three of them seem to be cut from the same cloth. And uh, the test has been going well so far for them. They're done today. But there's a whole slew of cars that won't even get started until tomorrow, including one Mazda. For all four drivers, another one of the guys who's going to be doing the, as he termed it, 20 hours of Sebring, Harry Tinknell. Yeah. Um, so they've got one car testing for all four and of their dri- and again, drivers. And don't forget, he's driving for
1: two different manufacturers because he's Mazda in IMSA, yes. or should I get it the other way around? He'll be Ford in the um, thousand miles, which is a, yes. a. It will be a maximum of eight hours. It will finish at midnight on Friday night. Um, so Johnny's got a late turn for that one, um, and and then the twelve hours in uh, in the in the Mazda. That he's gonna be, he is gonna be sore on Sunday.
4: I I think we should set an alarm for him at about five a.m. on Sunday, don't you think, John? Just think, to see what I happens.
1: I think he will kill us. He will absolutely too. kill us. Um, what else of there? I'm just looking through the cars to see the are both Porsche. GTS are there? Uh, yeah, both I mean, the BMWs, both yeah.
4: the Fords. So the only car not testing is the Corvette, which you touched on a little bit earlier. With They're not the doing BMW the WAC. Testing.
1: No, exactly.
4: No. Nope. Um, they've won three out of the four last years. They don't really need to do that much testing.
1: Fair point. Um, a New car <laughs> for the FAF concerned um, and and required after Daytona.
4: Yeah, and they are getting a chance to shake it out and do two good test days. That begins tomorrow, running into Friday for FAF. So out of all the 23 cars that are going to be there, I think the FAF car was the only one that's brand new because Paul Miller Racing, yes, they had some issues as well, but they didn't have a complete write-off. As for all the other cars that we lost during the Daytona race, a few of them not yet listed on the entry Mm. list. So we'll just have to stand by and be patient.
1: For the entry list for the test, or the entry list for the race?
4: But yes, no, for the for the competitors' website uh, open test list, which yeah. anybody can see. This yeah. is not a, a state secret of any no, kind. No. them
1: um, and Lanigan, you mentioned both the BMW uh, M8 uh, GTLM cars are there. And they've had a busy few days because they were down in Mexico with the Jaguar i race, yeah. and a uh, lot of lot of screen time for Bobby Rehal and Piers Phillips.
4: Yeah, and, and they were having a lot of screen time too, John. Every time they went to a camera shop, Piers was looking at his phone, so not sure if he had timing and scoring up or maybe cheat looking at the footy scores or something. Uh, He'd have uh, been
1: watching to see how Newcastle uh, were <laughs> getting on. Uh, Catherine Leg, pole position. Um, Brian Sellers sharing the front row in there too. Uh, Jaguar i uh, Cup cars. Cat uh, went on to win, and the extra point is given her the championship lead. Brian in a three-way tie for second place it was a bit of a crash fest though with the was it roberto duran who was the vip driver causing carnage at the uh, uh at the Bakshikin. salvador duran salvador duran sorry yes. yes
4: um but no it was it was a very interesting race brian for sure was applying the pressure the whole way through by the way There's an app for people here in the States called Caffeine, like the stuff you drink in your coffee. If you download it, it's free, and it allows you to watch all the races anywhere in the U.S., so you don't need a subscription or anything. Thank you to Jamie for pointing that out over the weekend. Jamie, Um,
1: it,
4: It was a great race between the two teammates. You could tell that both of them had been given the instructions not to hit their teammate. Both of them abided by that. And it's going to be very interesting when we get to the Hong Kong round to see if, because this was the first ever qualifying session that they had, having been rained out in the Middle East in the desert, go figure. Yeah. Um, so when we get to Hong Kong, are the tides going to turn? Is Brian going to figure out a way to have an advantage? Kat clearly knows how to drive the I-Pace well. I don't know. She's got a pretty good handle on this.
1: I, I, I tell you, it was very interesting because the two cars looked like they were handling very different. differently. She had a car that was very much on the nose, but she was getting out the last corner so well. And she'll be busy this weekend as well because she's in another all-female team.
4: She is. She's going to be running in the Asian Le Mans series. So, again, another weekend where Catherine Leg. Is uh, flying all around the world, jet setting. Her team is in the WeatherTech Championship is one that's up testing at Sebring. She's obviously not there, going over to the other side to try and win in another different kind of car. Mm. I think she's in an LMP3.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, jumping in on a all female, uh, all female entry that's uh, had a, a floating uh, roster of drivers and supported by the FIA Women's Commission as well. Uh, so good, good stuff. We wish her all the best. She will be back in the second hour of uh, tonight's program. With she some might some also more... want to
2: comment on this story.
1: Well, she might. Ooh, uh, I was just okay. trailing ahead a little bit. Uh, she'll be back with uh, some more U.S. news. But we're staying with electric news,
2: electric news, and Watkins Glen news. Right. Because Watkins Ooh. Glen is going electric. Right.
1: They're,
4: they're finally going to get electricity.
2: <laughs> Stop it!
4: Not only that,
1: <laughs> Finger Lakes. I have. I think got electricity. I think you're all right with that.
2: They're doing it themselves. What homemade electricity? Homemade electricity. They're growing oh, electricity. That's cool. They are building a 350-acre <laughs> solar farm.
1: Where? Well, what can it yes. great. Uh,
2: which will create 10 megawatts of power, or generate 10 megawatts of power. Right. Uh, which will obviously power not just the circuit, uh, but uh, oh,
1: this is actually at the truck. Yes. Right. Okay.
2: Most of the surrounding area as well. Wow. the cool. largest solar project. At a racetrack anywhere in the U.S., and here is uh, Watkins Glen uh, General Manager Michael Printup to tell us about it.
5: This project that will produce clean, renewable energy that is free of water waste and emissions. We own um, 1,861 acres up there, so we're going to take property off to the west that we don't even utilize, haven't utilized ever. It'll be to the west of the track. So if you've got, if you're standing on top of the race control tower, it'll be over your shoulder to the back. It'll be the size of um, almost the of what Daytona National Speedway is. So
2: that gives you an idea of the scale of it and also where it is beyond the car park to the west of the track.
1: No, very good. Round of applause, do we think, there, year for that? That's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty cool. Uh, They're not uh, the
2: first uh, racetrack to have a, a solar farm. Poconos had one for a few years, but are, on are a we, much smaller scale, it's about a tenth the size of what this will be.
1: Are we impressed with that, year sure?
4: Very, very much so. What a what a brilliant use yeah. of all that land. And yeah. it's a sunny place.
2: No, it is. Very good. Very I good. went to Watkins Glen and it poured with rain. It. it was torrential rain. It was flooded. They abandoned racing on the Saturday. It was Sheer, so wet. She
1: lost two pairs of traders to that particular year. Um, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport just after nine o'clock. Still to
0: come on Midweek Motorsport.
1: And is there any chance you could bring some dessert to the VO booth, please? Uh, that's Mark he's at the big time now he's doing all the CNN voiceovers uh, as well and that's dessert.
2: why the responsible adults watching CNN yes
1: always because it sounds like we're always going to go into something from us because he does all the CNN stuff inside Africa so good anyway second half of tonight's programme She will be back with some more American news we'll have more of your tweets your team and please. lots going on there in terms of all of the uh, uh, all of the bits and pieces we've had on tonight there'll be a distinct classic uh, look to the second half of tonight's program which kicks off with our big interview and it's all about tin tops and that comes next here on midweek motorsport series 14 episode number seven and don't forget we've got more classic after the show tonight
0: midweek motorsport on rs1
1: So with the uh, London Classic Car Show special to come tonight, uh, we thought we'd lead into that with a couple of classic items. We'll have uh, Richard Webb talking to us uh, uh, from travel destinations uh, later on in this hour. But first, a phenomenal piece of news for those who, like me, were brought up in the era of super touring and before that. Group A and Group 1 touring cars. Uh, delighted to say that the Dunlop Saloon Car Championship is back for this year and it's been rearranged which is fantastic rearranged. Yes, well, sort of reimagined, uh, if you will. Uh, and uh, the, the there's going to be a, a, a different look to how things goes on for 2018. Still uh, four rounds of the championship and uh, on the line now is johnny westbrook who is going to explain all of this to us first of all johnny good evening and how did all
6: this come about okay uh, well firstly John, thanks ever so much for having us on and uh, talking to us tonight um the this whole sort of adventure started way back in 2012 for me and a good friend of mine dave jarman um and we started out with a concept of running original genuine touring cars on a grid together um bringing back a really evocative sort of 30-year period of of touring car racing um and you know we 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 both owned cars at that time it was you know and and we both were lovers of sport very passionate about it um and there was nothing out there at the time so we sort of set off and with some help from well, a lot of help from the HSCC and the guys at Silverstone Classic. We started in 2012 and we ran through, I ran through up to 2016 with Dave. Dave carried on in 2017 and the HSCC took over the series properly last year. Um, Didn't quite go the way we wanted it to. It kind of evolved into a bit of a monster as these things do. Um, And... um, and and, and what, what what it really did is it lost the focus that we started with. So right. the focus was beautiful, genuine touring cars over the eras, over a 30-year period, Group 1, Group 2, Group A, and Super Touring, really evocative sort of liveries, memories, sounds, um, and drivers. And, and that's where we've gone back to a clean sheet of paper now with fresh management at the HSCC and Dunlop, and here we are. I,
1: and, and I love it because... Touring cars in the UK, I mean, the UK motorsport public have had this massive love affair with touring car racing. It's always been the very top line of of uh, national racing here in the UK, as you say, over 30 years ago. Three distinct eras that are represented here, starting with Group 1, which people of a certain age, <coughs> my age uh, particularly, um, will uh, really be interested in because this goes back to the days when you had to build 5,000 production cars, um, European Touring Car Ch- Championship. So, But it, it was those classic David versus Goliath battles of the big-engined American cars like the Camaros and the little Minis, and in the middle, all the stuff that we loved like XJSs and RX7s, Jaguar, Porsche, all all, this, all these cars going through uh, that. And, and you've picked a name out here to honour in that Era the Group One era that is absolutely synonymous with that 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 era of for saloon car racing.
6: Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Tom Walkinshaw, you know, it, he doesn't need any introduction, does he? Um, you know, and he in, in fact did the bit of press we did this week um, chatting with Sean Walkinshaw, I've known for a fair few years about his dad. Um, he was, you know, he was saying the whole empire. He, he sort of summed it up the whole empire was built upon start you know the, the 70s period tom racing group two and group one cars um batmobiles through to rx sevens through to capris he actually did run a capri at one point believe it or not um and and you know he really that's that's where the whole twr thing started and we all know what it went on to so you know it was a real no-brainer because going hand in hand with these names we didn't just want to pick a name and say, "Oh, we're going to run with that." We yeah. actually wanted the passion behind it, and we wanted Good. the support behind it, and we've got that with the Walkinshaw family. We've we've got Good. that with the Leslie family, and we got it with Tim Harvey.
1: 1973 for Capri, I remember seeing Tom Walton Shaw making his debut that year in a, in a yep. Capri, it, it, people forget of course he had a uh, a decent career in single-seater racing before he went to form TWR with uh, Tintops of course, you, you mentioned uh, Tim Harvey, uh, Tim who I worked with uh, on, in my early TV years at... Uh, our British touring cars, both on the Porsche Trophy, uh, the Porsche Cup, and on BTCC. When I was filling in for for Ben a, a few times, uh, this is the the middle uh, era, if you like, of of what the, of the three particular time scales. This is Group A. This was an FIA again, an FIA um, set of regulations, uh, which started in the early 80s. I would have think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this was this was the year of the, this was the year of the homologation specials, and we saw some really magnificent machinery that were right on the ragged edge of being eligible. To be honest.
6: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, you know, it's, it, it, you know, as they all are, it's a very evocative time. Yeah. I think the things that that spring to mind for most people, starting with the XJSs, the Bastos Rovers, going through to the M3s, to the RS500s. And you know, it's, it's difficult to single out a particular car because there's some crazy stuff around. There's Maserati, Maserati Ghiblis, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, Toyota Celicas, Barrichine in a Supra. I think you know, yeah. it, it just you know, there's so much content. There's so many incredible cars and stories and drivers you know, the reason, you know, Tim has been behind us from the word go, he's been incredibly supportive. And, you know, it was just, you know, it was again, it was a no-brainer to have him along. And we're hoping to get him in a car at some point as well. And he's just a massive supporter of the series. You know what a, what a nice guy he yes, is. Yes, he is. You know, it really was a no-brainer. The,
1: the, the fans' favourite, I mean, uh, Tim Harvey, I think, started in a, a Rover Vitesse in the late yes, 80s. he did. But it was very quickly when we got onto those homologation specials the RS500 became the car to have and and actually the championship um, was quite interesting then because anybody who had a 500 an RS500 could probably win a race so the championship was really really tight and uh, tim drove the labatt's car uh, didn't he and and, and they be, i mean that was their, that was ford at their very best at that stage shelling these cars out like peas to anybody who wanted to buy one
6: yeah, 100%. And, you know, the, you've obviously got the big names there, Rouse and Eggenberger. There was yeah. Terry Drury, um, uh, Tim drove a Terry Drury car to start with. Um, and, you know, these are these incredible machines. They, they they are to this day. People love seeing them. And, you know, in, in the, running in the series we've now got, they're in a race-winning car still. You know, a world of an RS500, the amount of horsepower they've got on good tires, they really, really, even now, they're an incredibly fast car. Um, the...
1: Newest level of cars uh, in this uh, Dunlop Saloon Car Cup is the David Leslie Cup. And and obviously that rings uh, very uh, very many bells close to me because I work with David um, both as a driver and at RML down through the years. Uh, I can't believe it's 11 years since he lost his life in that air crash. Um, Super Touring, of course, for many people was their introduction to British Touring Cars. It was... Uh, no holds barred, uh, no expense too great uh, level of motor racing at its very finest. In fact, that's probably what did for it. David driving in the Cos Cavalier uh, and then the Vectra for RML. He really carved out a fabulous uh, career for himself. Went on to drive Hondas as well, of course, both here and in America, actually, the, when the Super Touring concept was was exported as well uh, and and these are cars that bear scant resemblance under the skin <laughs> to the actual cars that they were based on there, there was nominally they had to be they had to be the, the the shell but that was even that at times was um <clears throat> close to the again close yes. to the knuckle there was a lot of cars that were effectively tube frame cars weren't they
6: yeah it's uh they're, they're incredible machines they really are and um it's great to to, to be able to have them out on a grid with with the group one, the group two, and the and the group A and you'd be you'd be amazed how how similar in some cases the lap times are as well, even though different eras, different concepts. But I mean, going back to David Leslie, like again, you know, there there was only one person in our mind. Jane herself actually started this this whole movement started in late 2008 when Jane wanted to do something in David's memory, and she wanted a grid of super touring this, cars. This is Jane Leslie, Classic.
1: David's David's yeah. widow, who is a David's force of widow, leadership yeah. by uh, i should say by the way
6: yeah yeah absolutely and and she she you know without jane we we probably wouldn't even be where we are now so you know with there there was no question in our mind which way we wanted to go jane's been a massive supporter of us over the years as has graham and and you know it, it's great that we can we can run something um we can run the cars with his name above the door really because yes you know he, he drove like you say he drove for a lot of different manufacturers he got ray Mallock's first winning btcc and in the curia cost cavalier privately funded car extraordinary in those Honda's days by the
1: way that was uh honda yes. nissan as well
6: yes um and 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 you know it, it, again it, it i don't need to exp- you know there's there's no there's no really you don't need to introduce him We we know He was just a bit of an icon of that era, not only as a driver, but the way he conducted himself off track and the way he was with people. So yeah always
1: a big supporter of the marshalls uh work as well. I learned that very early on from david and it 's something that has always been i 've always taken on through everything that we 've done. I mentioned that the high costs of of the super touring era they were for the most part uh, particularly towards the end of their life they were only affordable by big manufacturer highly funded teams um, The sort of budgets that were going to Drive, who were uh, running cars in those days were probably more than they run their GT cars on uh, nowadays, it was an extraordinary it was millions of pounds and, I, mm. and I, 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 tens of millions of pounds more than ten millions uh, of pounds I would say probably in those days uh, ultimately that did for it uh, and the BTC touring era came along, but low cost car um, that was the early 2000 MG ZS, Honda Integra I remember David driving a most unlikely racing car, Proton Impian, uh, Vaux, Vauxhall Astra Coupe here, the Tape Dynamics cars as well. They're going to be involved as well, which I, which I like the sound of.
6: Yeah, we've you know we we we're quite broad-minded really with our entry criteria. You know we, we like interesting cars, we like cool cars, you know evocative cars, cars that sound nice. Basically, the polar opposite to the sort of turbocharged one-make stuff that we've got now. Mm. Anything that's cool. So you know um, those those cars really fit nicely. The, the, Believe it or not, there's quite a lot of similarities between the way one of those cars is built and a Super Tourer. Yeah. Um, S2000 cars, very much built in the same sort of mindset as a Super Touring car. Money, sort of no object, manufacture racing cars. BTC cars, incredibly quick overlap as well. So you know they've got a good home with us um anyone that wants to turn out a nice well presented car um and, and he's, he's on our wavelength really that wants to race it for the right reasons
1: uh, and, and there's the question i suppose how many of these cars are still around and how easy or difficult is it to run them from the the particular eras super touring cars, i said they were they were fairly sophisticated cars too late to twin cams, but putting putting out a lot of a lot of horsepower from those uh, two-litre twin-cam motors. I mean, they were, com- they were the computer era, definitely, whereas the group here was very much still, uh, if you go back to the group one, rather, is particularly very much still spanners and uh, feeler gauges.
6: Well, yeah, I mean, it, going across the eras, sort of cost per season, there's probably not a lot of difference right. between between everything on our grid. It's just you need to apply yourself in different ways. Um, a Group 1 car it's probably got quite a hot sort of sorted engine in it, which mm-hmm. could be quite expensive to maintain. Um, the cars themselves are worth an awful lot of money, RS500, vice versa. Super touring cars, um, there's there's a lot of the original people around if you apply yourself properly and you've got the right mindset and you're enthusiastic you can run one of those cars on a budget no problem you
1: know <laughs> same with most, S2000 yeah do you know where most of these cars are or are there always one or two that still pop up and you, surprise you
6: <laughs> there's always there's always a couple because it wasn't come just the, the UK as
1: well of course was it we, we, we talked about international all of these particular sets of, uh, of rules were actually international uh, in fact global uh, at, at one stage or another
6: yeah, there's still stuff that surprises you. So there's, for instance, there's a, there's a, a, a an original Gordon Spice Group 1 Capri has oh. just popped up in New Zealand and it's come from Hong Kong. So, you know, like the, there's these really random sort of stories of cars coming out of sort of hibernation and, and there still is, you know, Super touras are down in South America still. There's S2000 cars in the Dominican Republic. You know, there's there's all these crazy. You know, they've really gone sort of around the world. And 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 you know, what sometimes enthusiasts sometimes they stay there and, and they rot away. Unfortunately, in the case of South America. In other other times, people want to save them and they manage to get hold of them and they come back out with us. I, w- I want to see a Dodge Stratus Super Tourer. Um, uh,
1: they might be
6: waiting a while in the US.
1: Well, there was. I mean, what? How how many different models of cars were there for Super Touring? There must have been 25, 26, something like that. Yeah.
6: I think there may be more. I think there might right. be like even 30 more right. obligations for super tourists.
1: Yeah, they're they're all over the place. There was that brilliant p- period of super touring where they were all over the place, and and uh, Audi, of course, with the with the A4 Quattro, runs won, won seven super touring championships in a single season. I remember that very well at the time because obviously I was running talk of radio and all that sort of stuff, and we were very very much in, in, involved in all of that. Um, t- just let's uh, let's just wet people's appetite even more and tell you that the dates it's all UK based um, middle of May uh, 18th and 19th on the Silverson Grand Prix circuit for the International Trophy the Masters Historic Festival June the 8th and 9th just before you head off to Le Mans those of you who are doing that that's at Donington Park June the 29th and 30th just when you get back from Le Mans and the Nürburgring 24 at Brands Hatch GP for the Legends of Brands then August the 24th to 26th that's the Traditional date at Alton Park I'm in Cheshire for the Gold Cup. So a, a tight little season there from May through to August and important technical support being given to you by Dunlop as well.
6: Yeah, incredible really. Um, you know, we've 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 worked for a number of years with these cars and, and, and Dunlop have really pulled out of stops this year to to come out with a new product and, and a lot of support and I've got to say thank you to sort of John Pearson and James Bailey from uh, from Dunlop to to you know, really stepping up and And given us a huge amount of support the h s c c have stepped up as well um and some of us original guys that are around at the start of this whole concept have, have have sort of come back in, come back to it because of this you know level of support and realizing the amount of passion there is for the whole you know generations of cars we 're talking about here not we've talked a lot about super touring, but you know we we we're, we're looking at everything on the grid there, and it really is three races within a race, yeah.
1: And how many cars are you hoping to get spread through the three different championships that are all going to be on the track at the same time? And, and there's nothing wrong with that, because if you go back um, not that long, actually, it was always multi-class racing in touring cars. Obviously, I accept that these aren't all of the, the same eras, but I, I would have thought some of these lap times won't be a million miles off. You'll, you'll, get a, you'll get a reasonable spread of lap times to make sure everybody can have their decent races. So how many are you expecting?
6: um i think we we'd like to see between 25 and 30 on track for the oh, first fantastic. meeting um yeah and and you know like like i was saying um you know we we're running three different podiums in this meeting yeah. everyone gets equal Good. priority uh, we've got a hospitality set up. You know, we have we focus very hard on keeping the entry fees down. So we really tried to learn, of, you know, from everything everything we've done in the past. There's certainly driver standards and stuff like that. And, you know, talking about closing speeds and di- different cars on track at different times, it's only the same as you guys with LMP1s and GT2s. Exactly or, right. Sorry, GTEs.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely correct. Has it tempted you to get a car and get back out on the track yourself, Johnny?
6: <laughs> I might have a couple in the garage, but I've never actually... Uh, managed to uh, sort my licence out and do it but I do listen to you and your exploits so maybe one day I will do. Well, listen, if you ever want one driving, it would
1: be an honour because that is that is the start of really my motorsport career and also my interest in motorsport although I've always been into endurance racing, as you know, i followed the touring cars for a very long time and you couldn't help but trip over touring cars when you went to a national meeting that was always the touring cars that was the uh, that was the the, uh, the headline act. I think it's brilliant. Johnny, thanks for joining us tonight. Wish you and the team all the best. Have a fantastic season.
6: Thanks ever so much and uh, we'll definitely work on getting you out there sometime eh? Sounds brilliant to me. It could be very dangerous though. Cheers now. <laughs> bye bye. Cheers. Thanks. Bye bye.
1: Johnny, Johnny Westbrook there uh, on the telephone talking to us me in a super touring car? What do you what do you reckon, Cher? Is that is that going to work, or is that going to be just too dangerous?
4: Has the responsible adult given her consent?
1: She, she always looks at the car and tells me if it's all right to drive it. It's all about how prepped they are. And uh, Johnny, actually, I should have said there. Um, is he? No, he's gone now. Uh, he <laughs> works for Bob Neville. For he's worked for Bob Neville for a long time for RGN. Oh. So he knows how to put a car together. So anything. Yeah, that that'd
4: come... be high standards.
1: Oh yes, anything that comes out of uh, his uh, stable. And he looks after a lot of those uh, super cars uh, for other people uh, as well, including the John Cleland Acura cavalier um which we were talking about there that that won uh, Brands, if memory serves, as a private car privateer entry. Um, and he's got a couple of Volvos as well, I can just see me in a Volvo, I think that's right up my street, um, maybe see if I can get a test with them, before we uh, before we commit, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport, still to come, we'll be talking more classics, with, uh, with Richard Webb, uh, and the classic uh, motor show, uh, classic car show, at uh, London Stocklands, was on at the weekend, Nick and I went down there, you can hear, our show straight after midweek motorsports. Uh, Jonathan Frank is really on his way to Bogota. He flies triple sevens for a living, which is fantastic. So, not sure if you're actually working quite yet, but he uh, said he would be picking up uh, part of it when he got down uh, and landed. We should
2: and definitely uh, make this show available to In Flight Entertainment.
1: I think that's absolutely should be playing it over the PA. As he drives along, a lot of lot of planes have got in, on board. Whiffy now, Shit Adam still with us. Where would you like to go next, Tim?
2: Uh, I'd like to go to Daytona.
1: It was the big one at the weekend. The three big ones. Well, yes, but the the, the big one was the Daytona 500. And, and
2: we'll talk about that after we talk about uh, the truck race.
1: Are we going to start with the trucks? Yay! Start, the, the the Gander trucks, isn't it, chair? Gander outdoors. yes.
4: New sponsor. Yeah. Um, Truck race that felt a whole heck of a lot longer than 111 laps, and it wasn't even (laughs) supposed to be that long. (laughs) Um, It was
1: uh, was a bit of a crash fest, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah.
4: Um, at one point, John, they actually said that Matt Crafton was benefiting so much because every time the caution would come out, there would be a massive wreck in front of him. And he and the bright yellow number 88 would just seemingly drive through it and then gain positions. Yeah. So Matt Crafton, by the last restart, was up into fourth. And everybody was saying, oh, well, who's going to wreck in front of him this time?
1: Um, eventually, I think we got almost We were still just in double figures by the... Yeah. The end of yeah. the race, but only just. I think it
4: was nine trucks on the lead lap on yeah. the last restart. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. Um, not a very good showing. Overtime the, the after trucks.
1: overtime after overtime, um, and Austin Hill was the winner. And us what he had to say about it.
7: Well, well, you know, uh, number one goal is to win the championship, so uh, we're locked in now. Uh, kind of takes the weight off your shoulders going into Atlanta. We get to go have fun now. Uh, we're not chasing points. We're not chasing anything but wins. So um, that's going to be really cool. It's going to be a lot, lot more relaxed. Uh, I think going going forward, uh, you know, the the bonus structure that that they have going on with Gander Outdoors and all that that that's a cool deal. So uh, you know, obviously, we want to go. We want to go get that money. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna try every race uh, as hard as we can. And uh, if we come out on top, great. If not, we're gonna take a take a decent day and go go to the next one.
2: Some uh, refreshing honesty there from yeah. a driver who uh, is clearly just in it for the money.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and he won in the truck that won the championship last year. So he's got every chance that the formula hasn't changed. So he's got every chance of taking
4: that championship
1: again.
4: And, uh, and what he's talking about there with the bonus is that there's a, a triple crown that's been instituted this year between three different truck races. And if the same driver wins all three of the races, yes. he wins an extra half million dollars. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Very good. Very good indeed. Uh, the Xfinity Series is the uh, second division, if you will, of the uh, the NASCAR ladder. And how did that one go?
4: Oh, this was a cool race, I have to say. And Earnhardt led from the best qualifying position, not the pole position, because the pole car had to drop back to the back of the field from the tyre change Earnhardt led Jeffrey, by the
1: way. I was going to say, Jeffrey, you should say that. Yeah.
4: And this was the first Daytona 500 in 40 years without an Earnhardt in it. So that's another thing of note, too. But the Xfinity race was really cool. If you haven't seen Jeffrey Earnhardt's helmet, Google it. It was pretty awesome. I'll just leave it at that. But a very odd race because Brad Keselowski had his escape hatch start to come loose. (laughs) That caused his car to basically turn into like a convertible because it flew off in the middle of the race. NASCAR said that they had to replace it. They couldn't just tape over it because that would be a safety issue. So the Penske organization having to replace a bit of bodywork that shouldn't have come off in the first place uh, during a pit stop. So he was out of it. But at the end of the day, wow, 240 races for Michael Annette and he finally won.
8: You know, taking a lot of criticism for if I belong in this car the the past couple of years, and, and you know the results, I you know I, I earned that criticism and and put a lot on myself. So, um, you know, this off season and and just put everything I had into into this team, into this car, into this you know upcoming season, um, just to to make sure there was no variables that we can control and didn't you know just didn't want to, you know, you know stay daytona but didn't want to pull out of the tunnel and think man if i would have done this you know maybe leading up to this weekend we would have had a better result and i feel like we did everything we possibly could i know travis and the guys there at the shop i've never seen so much work go into a, a speedway speedway car and i don't think it has a scratch on it to be honest with you so that's pretty exciting going to talladega so um it was just uh, a lot of fun a, a lot of uh homework went into this i didn't think it was i don't you know our sport's not easy, but I didn't think it was going to be that easy. But it's just a testament to how good that car was, the Hendrick power, and um, you know. And honestly, someone said someone out something out there that that last pit stop. I think we got out by an inch and beat our teammate out, and that, that was that was the difference. So just the the little things here, and, and we were able to control that, and the guys were spot on, and we got out. You know, with him drawing the number one pit sp- pit stall on Thursday, it started there. So just had a really good feeling about the weekend
1: was the winner in the Xfinity Series uh, race at Daytona, Michael Annette, first win is as as Sasha said in 240 starts for Dale Earnhardt Jr's team, Uh, to the big one then uh, certainly a man who didn't endear himself to his team or any other Ford teams or to the Blue Oval was Michael McDowell towards the end of the race here
4: Ah, yeah, and and
1: wasn't it? It wasn't so much what he he did; it was his comment.
4: Yeah, and and I can understand where he's coming from. What he said basically was that his team doesn't pay him to push Joey Logano to a win. Okay, I get that, but But Joey Logano is in another Ford. Ford. Joey Logano is in another Ford. And if you want to keep getting money from a major manufacturer, if you want to continue to be somebody that a major manufacturer pushes to have in their car, you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that that manufacturer wins. What he did, what Michael McDowell did, was on the back straight on the last lap, he had an opportunity to dive up to the high line, get behind Joey Logano, and yes, in effect, push him with a run to get around Denny Hamlin to have an opportunity. What he did instead was look high and then dive back down low to stay behind Kyle Busch, who ultimately rode around behind Denny Hamlin, who was the eventual race mm. winner. The comments afterwards really didn't help because that's exactly what the big teams look at and say, yeah, yeah we're not touching you with the 10-foot pole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll come back to the, the winners and why it was such an emotional race uh, in a little while. Uh, good news, ratings up. Uh, 8%, a uh, couple of red flags, two big wrecks, and Jimmy Johnson...
2: It was a very long race.
1: It was a very long race. I yes.
2: allocated myself three hours to watch, no, it. I no, couldn't no, watch no. it live. I allocated no. myself three hours and uh, obviously still haven't seen the end of it.
1: The highlights, <laughs> the, the or at least the rerun that was on one of the channels uh, yesterday, ran for six hours,
2: and yes. I don't know how
1: much they cut out.
2: Uh, uh, nothing was cut out of okay. that. That so, was the full rule cost.
1: So what happened to Jimmy Johnson coming onto pit lane?
4: He was coming onto pit lane with four other cars at the time when two teammate cars, not his teammate, not, not Hendricks drivers, but two guys who were driving for the same team, collided with each other, <sighs> both getting on the brakes, trying to check up to get onto the pit lane speed limiter, they came across sideways, and one of them sideswiped the back left portion of Jimmy's car, huh. dislodging his fuel hose. So he couldn't actually get fuel back into the container no without the fuel refueler holding the nozzle in one hand. And NASCAR viewed that as outside assistance. So basically, every time Jimmy came in to get fuel, he would then get a drive-through penalty. It, oh, no. it was a bit of, um, yeah. But he looked really strong going into the race. And they go next weekend or this weekend to Atlanta, which is a track that Jimmy's won I at five it. times before. So it. it's not going to be too much longer that this win list streak continues.
1: Um, let, let's talk about the man that led the most laps, didn't win it, Matt uh, D. Benedetto, who does sound like he should be in the Fast and Furious. 49 laps <laughs> uh, led and, uh, and became a bit of a fan favourite during the race oh. un- until about lap. 192
4: what a classy guy i mean it, they interviewed him after he was released from the infield care center yes caught up in, <laughs> in the big one on lap 192 as you rightfully say and he assumed complete responsibility for it he said i'm sorry we we tore up a lot of cars i was going for it he is the complete underdog that even the broadcasters were saying we talked about a lot of things potentially happening in this race that we weren't expecting but I don't think anyone mentioned this guy's name. He went on to lead more laps than anyone else, and he won a lot of favor in a lot of people's uh, opinions. But the other cool thing that wasn't really hit on during the race too much is the fact that he's working with LFR and Joe Gibbs Racing, the team that was ultimately victorious, with Denny Hamlin's former crew chief. So there was definitely some synergy going on that night in
1: Daytona. Of course, the big story at the front of the field, Joe Gibbs racing. Um, yeah. Effectively, the whole lead up to and the race and the victory, a tribute to um, Joe's son, J.D. Gibbs, who uh, lost his battle with illness, what, not a couple of weeks ago, isn't it, as, as far it, as...
4: It... Yeah, almost a month ago now for, uh, cool. for J.D. Gibbs. But yeah. they had a, a tribute to him on lap 11 where everybody stood up. And ultimately, it was car number 11 that had his name on it mm. that wound up in the victory lane. A one-two-three finish for Doe Gibbs Racing. And there was just a lot of really goose bumpy sort of moments at yeah. the end of the race when that car was leading.
1: Yeah. Three of the top four for Joe Gibbs racing. Here's what Joe Gibbs had to say after the race.
5: Uh, I just like to retrace for a minute what happened tonight, which is, you know, it's the most emotional and the biggest win I've ever had in my life and anything. Uh, JD built our race team was the guy that ran day to day operations for 27 years. He invested his occupational life in our race team and as a part of that he went up to purchase some late model stuff from Denny and struck up a relationship with Denny put him in a test put him in a, a truck put him in a Xfinity car at Darlington and finally he said we need to sign this guy and so that started the relationship and everything. And
7: thank you for that first check, <laughs> by the way. I got a set of rims for my truck and a plasma TV. I was, of course, living, I was in high. I was the, I was a hit that, in that my is,
5: town. That is the truth. He had nothing. Okay. <laughs> and three years later, he bought a house next to me that was twice as big as my house. So it tells you I get in the wrong end of everything. But I wanted to retrace that and then to say J.D.'s favorite number was 11 when he raced. That's what he had. Denny's number is 11. Denny put J.D. over the doorpost on that car. And to have that take place, everything that took place tonight, everybody knows we've been to Daytona 27 times. We had won twice before. And so, you know, you're thinking about things and I guess everybody could say, well, that just happened. I don't believe that just happened. I honestly believe it was, you know, I think the Lord looked down on us and I know JD and everybody in my family was emotional, called home to Pat. And I called sponsors that were emotional too. It was just an unbelievable night, uh, unbelievable crowd. The whole thing was just A special memory for me, and it's one I'll never forget, and it was the most important night of my occupational life.
1: Joe Gibbs speaking after the victory at the Daytona 500 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Denny Hamlin, the driver of number 11, Shea, and uh, no stranger uh, to the win at the Daytona 500. That's his second time in the uh, Gatorade victory lane.
4: It is, and there's some people who are talking now about is he worthy of going in the Hall of Fame because of the two wins. Uh, he still hasn't won a championship. He's got time to do that yet. But it's the second time that he's won this race, and the second time that he's won this race as the first ever race with a new crew chief, which is pretty interesting because that in itself is pretty hard to meld to. But he is the fifth driver in NASCAR history to start the season with a win after not winning the year wow. before. Wow. So that's pretty cool as well.
3: And
7: here's what he had to say after he took the big price. I'm taking this one in a little bit more. I was just so, you know, everything was just so crazy at the end of the 2016 race with the final lap, how it all played out. I was just, I couldn't believe anything that happened. It was in awe the whole time. This one, I actually through the red flags and everything. I was kind of taking everything in. I, I fell asleep twice and, and under a couple of the red flags because I just... I was just relaxed. I knew what I needed to do, and I wasn't going to venture off from that. Um, so I wasn't nervous about, hey, w- what if this happens? What if that happens? I knew in my head what I needed to do, and if it, if, if the race worked out great for us, we were going to win. Um, if it didn't, I was. I'd put. I'd put forth all the homework and done all the work to figure out where I needed to be, and I knew where I needed to be. And um, circumstances was going to dictate whether we won or not. So I was pretty relaxed the whole time and really taking all this in.
1: Second race uh, victory at Daytona for Denny Hamlin. Shea Adam is on the line. We've got a lot to fit in. So we'll rattle through some IndyCar news. Reminder, we've got Nick and me reporting from the London Classic Car Show after this tonight. Uh, Advanced Frontal Protection. It uh, sounds like something that the cricketers would be uh, using out in the Caribbean at the moment. 217 for two, by the way. Uh, Jason Roy dismissed. It's just thinking up numbers. I'm just they saying.
4: Don't...
1: Yeah. Ad- what is advanced frontal protection then?
4: It is not a implement used in cricket, a fictitious sport, which is like whack bat. Um, they <laughs> have created a three-inch tall by three-quarter inch wide piece of titanium to sit on the upward sloping part of the cockpit, basically over the driver's legs, almost oh, almost knees, I would even go as far mm. as to say, that it's going to be used to try and deflect debris away from the driver's helmet. They were working on this windshield, but it wasn't yeah. going to be ready in time. It didn't pass the impact test. This they're satisfied with as a stepping stone.
1: So this is their, their alternative to the halo device that we have in in formula one
4: it's a halfway step they're not considering this the end game but this is better than nothing Okay. Uh, they can't do a halo because it cuts off the visibility of the drivers when they're on the oval that's what they've been saying so this is sort of their next step up
1: uh as far as testing is concerned they've been the circuit of the americas uh, and it's i've seen some footage it looks fairly spectacular It's not Formula One pace, but that doesn't matter. Uh, It's
2: not even WEC pace, though. uh,
1: But they don't have the downforce. That's that's what they don't have. And you need downforce around there, particularly in the first sector.
4: They weren't running on the good tyres either.
1: True. Uh, And it was testing rather than um, qualifying style of uh, pace. Three of the four sessions led by the same driver share.
4: <laughs> yeah hello colton Herta. we <laughs> know what this kid can do we just saw it at daytona and now the rest of the indycar world is finding out as well do there was ever. so much hype around who was supposed to be his co-driver all year padua ward after mm. his debut at sonoma last year don't count out colton he is so fast and he's so humble every interview he was just saying well it's because the track suits my driving style dude Three out of four sessions, he was fastest. And the one that he wasn't fastest, he was second. It's not just the track suiting your style, it's that you've got talent, but he's way too humble to step up and say that. 25 drivers total took part in the IndyCar test. That was called their spring training. Of course, they are off to St. Petersburg. When is that? Two weeks? And then they go to Circuit of the Americas back the week after the 12 Hours of Sebring.
1: Uh, you mentioned Pato Award there. He's now without a drive. Uh, that's the big news. Uh, it's a tough old game. Um, I mean, he had a million-dollar scholarship funding, and he wasn't on the track. He's left Harding Sten, uh, Stenbrenner Racing, and he's, he's not going to be back. What what happens?
4: He's looking at his options right now, John. Uh, he still has that $1 million scholarship money, which he can take and use in different places. But the question is, where does he go? The the deal seemingly falling apart uh, at the end of things. If you haven't because yet they read could Fruits.
1: Yeah, it was, Marshall had a really good... Yeah. But basically, the team is saying they couldn't find the sponsorship to fund two cars.
4: Yep. And so it had to come down to one driver. And it's interesting that they picked Colton over Pato because Pato was, of course, coming with the $1 million scholarship. But obviously, seeing what happened at spring testing, they didn't choose the wrong horse in, in that case. Pato will land on his feet somewhere. He is so fat, No matter where he goes, he's going to be a force to reckon with. But he could even go back to Indy Lights, potentially, do another year there, maybe win another million dollars. Or he comes back to sports car racing where he's already a champion.
5: Yeah,
1: fair, fair point. Uh, March the twenty fourth is the race at Quarter at Indycar uh, their season. Uh, this this starting in Saint Pete, you said, but well, it's a bit earlier this year. Yes. Uh,
5: March
4: eighth through
1: tenth. Right, so it's before Sabring. It's often the week after Sabring. Share thanks very much indeed yes. for do joining you want to us. Do
2: to stay for some of the other stories?
1: Well, okay, can do. Uh, can do. Where would you like to go next? Uh,
2: do we want to see you have Richard Webb next?
1: Yes, we will. Actually, that's a good point. After the show tonight, Nick and I wandering around XL for the London Classic Car Show. Uh, but one of the reasons that we went down there was to catch up with our friends at Travel Destinations. And we've got a couple of special uh, programmes that will drop into some of our live coverage about historic uh, automotive and classic automotive, uh, both in terms of cars and racing. Um So listen out for those in our coming live broadcasts. Uh, But we took the opportunity to sit down with Richard on the travel destination stand uh, and
9: ask him about how the early part of 2019 has been going. The Rolex 24 at Daytona, um, despite the weather, we had a really great time. So um, lots of people, really, really good stuff. Um, Great racing um, and even in the wet. And um, yeah, you know, it was a fantastic, fantastic event. Then straight on the back of that, we were um, down at Bathurst, Um, so all the way down to Australia, the same as yourselves. Um, We had some people down there, um, a hotel accommodation, hospitality, which is just amazing. The the hospitality there, right on top of the pit lane, air-conditioned, which is kind of handy, and um, food and drink on tap. So it was a really, really good event, Um, and so that's fabulous. And then um, we're here, and then next up is Sebring. Um, And Sebring this year, obviously, being the double-header with and. um, and we're a sellout so the demand is huge so um, we're here promoting historic racing um, provisionally but actually what we're also saying to people is if you want to be at Daytona, if you want to be at Bathurst and if you want to be at Sebring with us next year pre-register with us now, Get, get in touch with us now because these things, are, you know, you have to plan a far ahead. And the, the demand for things like Sebring, you know, it's, it's not a big town, is it? And suddenly you're getting all the IMSA teams and all their sponsors, you're getting all the WEC teams and their sponsors, and everybody's fighting for accommodation. Um, so it's really important. We have guaranteed accommodation, but it sells out. And it sold out early this year, and I have no doubt it will sell out early next year as well. And then
1: you're straight into the meat of the season there, and it's not that long before we're at Le Mans. For the Le Mans 24 Hours, and that's a bit different this year as well, because we've got the Nurburgring 24 Hours the week after. I, I, I dare say there are people doing double headers as, as we'll have to do. But how's things going for for Le Mans this year? It's a it's going to be the end of this transition season, so the champions will be crowned at Le Mans. Um, all the usual spots that you've got. Uh, how are you doing? Have you got any Have you got any availability
9: left? Right. Le Mans this year is, is selling really well, actually. Um, we were a bit concerned because we didn't know what, how the, the, the super season would work. But this is the finale. This is where, the, like you're rightly going to say, the podiums are going to go on for at least an hour as they give out trophies left, right and centre. So it's going to be a really exciting time. So, yeah, um, we're really pleased to say that sales are looking really good. Um, the Porsche Curves campsite, our famous Porsche Curves campsite, overlooking the private view and overlooking the Porsche Curves, as of yesterday um, uh, we had about three places left so it's, it's more or less a sellout so that's already, that's already gone uh, our event tents, the glamping that we do down there, that's now um, over 100, 120 tents sold. So we're down to the last few tents there as well, but still, still availability there. And you know, our Flexotel Village, which is always popular, particularly with um, people overseas travelling across as well as um, um, from the UK. Um, we are over 100 Flexotel rooms in. Right. Um, but the great thing about Flexotels is we can always add more. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's a good time to get stuff. And 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 now is the time. We're seeing peak peak sales now um, but for Le Mans and, um, and for, and for Spa Weck as well, because we, you've got to forget, you don't forget, um, in May we're at Spa oh, cool. with uh, the World Endurance Championship. There we have some camping available and we have some hotels available. So for those that want to get in just before Le Mans, we have that. And then, as you so rightly say, no, I don't know how we're doing all of this, but the Nürburgring is obviously the following weekend. And yet we have uh, lots of customers that are doing a really nice double header, driving out to Le Mans doing the Le Mans 24 hours and then having a day or so to drive across to the Nürburgring and then we start everything from the Nürburgring from the Wednesday onwards And so you can do a Le Mans 24, Nürburgring 24 double header, which of course doesn't happen every year, you can't do that. The Nürburgring does move around so this year is quite exceptional for being able to do that. As far
1: as Le Mans is concerned, that will be of interest to many people and we'll talk, I'm sure, in more detail about that as the year goes on, but with there already having been so much interest in the travel destination specific parts of Le Mans. What about things like the ACO campsites, the public campsites? You are... An official agent
9: for the ACO. Can you sort those things out as well? Absolutely. Yeah, being an official agent means we have allocations in every campsite and in every grandstand that we want. So um, the answer to that is yes, we have availability. Some of the some of the campsites, Maison Blanche, um, very popular campsite, much reduced in size as we know over the last few years with the Porsche Experience Centre, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I won't go all over that again. But so that one's gone. But the, the popular campsites like who? um Tete rouge Huanix, the blue campsites nord and sud um we have availability there and and it's uh you know it's, it's quite a an achievable place to get to it's it's fairly economic for everybody to go so yeah absolutely so but people need to be getting in because as every week goes on now we're into the spring le mans is fast approaching in june that now availability is becoming um less available less available there so that um so that they can they need to get in now, call us, visit our website lemonsrace.com, give us a call 01707 32988, make the bookings. Our staff all know Le Mans. We can recommend Le Mans. We, people come through to us. We can say this will work for you. This actually this will be better for you. We recommend this. Talk to us. We have all, so much experience between us all that we can help find the right thing for you.
1: All right, thank you very much, and we'll see you at the motor racing circuit somewhere soon.
9: Very soon, very soon indeed. Lo
0: te in en español. Olé. Por Midweek Motorsport.
1: Uh, that was Richard Webb talking to me at the London Classic Car Show uh, over the weekend. Uh, and that, obviously, was the jingle for news in Spanish. Now, uh, this might not work with Shea um, along here. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to just feed you down. Fire away.
2: I think Shea should take part. El Rally I mean, Dakar this, I'm not sure. cambiara de cede para el 2020.
1: Ah, this is very interesting. Rally Dakar is not going to happen. Uh, in the next few years, and it's going to be replaced by a cricket tournament in the Middle East. <laughs> and Should you still, still take think so you shouldn't
2: be taking part in this?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Al parecer, todo esto consumado y la competición automotorística más difícil del planeta dejar a Sudamérica para anclar en Arabia Saudita.
1: Yep, there you go, you see? It's moving... From South America to the Middle East, and it's no longer going to be cars, and it is going to be the short form of cricket.
2: 2020. Uh, las And the competition
1: will be very harder with only South Americans allowed uh, to play the cricket, obviously.
2: Las autoridades de Arabia Saudita mm. que cuentan con un potencial económico garantizado la viabil- viability del Rally Dakar è desembol fifteen millions annuales.
1: Yeah, now, this is very interesting. Um, it's guaranteed to make more money this year, particularly if only people called Quentin uh, are allowed to play.
2: Otro personaggi del yeah. mundo del Rally Dakar, Mohamed Al-Twarriji Raveo la Buena Nueva en las redes sociales oficialmente. Rally Dakar en Arabia Saudita desde el próximo 2020 y por cinco años.
1: Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about the last bit because it's not very pleasant, but uh, it's def they've definitely signed up to do 2020 cricket in South uh, instead of uh, being in South America. It's going to be 2020 cricket in Saudi Arabia. uh, other persons from around the world, especially not anyone from socialist countries, will not be allowed in the 2020. It's as simple as that.
2: Pero las <laughs> informaciones oh. detallan que el acuerdo ya está hecho y el compromiso sería por una suma de 15 millones de dólares por cada uno de los cinco años de competición.
1: Yeah, but they will allow teams uh, from Dolara. And Syria are the Italian Football League. So they're really pushing it out there. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm slightly worried that the Italians have been put in charge of the 15 million prize money, which uh, I'm not sure how that will, that will go. That well, it? I'm
2: looking forward to that. I don't yeah, know uh, how uh, you. Fantastic. F- f- fantastic.
1: Looking, Sh- looking Sh- forward Sh- to Sh-
4: it? cricket doesn't mean anything to Sheer. No, whack that. Whack that. You don't light the pipe cone on fire in cricket.
1: It's not well, a real sport. And you and you don't divide by nine either. Yeah,
2: what's the point?
1: I was about to give you a cricket update actually, but
2: do who's I, I <laughs> still winning?
1: Um, well, n- nobody's won quite yet. Uh, there must have been a wicket or something because they've gone for an ad break. So, um, I can't actually tell you, um, what's going on. I looked away for it. Joe Root got his fifty. I know that, so... um, 236 ah, for two. Yeah, it must be drinks at the moment. That's what it is. Um, uh, That's just proving that we are live. What else have you got for us uh, news-wise before we let you go? Asian
2: Le Mans series calendar news. Oh, yes. This Uh, happened
1: happened just as we went off air last week, didn't it? Yes, (laughs) uh,
2: we have a date for one round of next year's Asian Le Mans series. Uh, And, of course, uh, this year's legion wants to finishes this weekend
1: it does uh in malaysia i think so um sorry i should sepang isn't it so where's that
4: kuala lumpur
1: Ah, uh, kuala lumpur all right mm-hmm. okay so are you sure it's kuala lumpur
4: that's where johnny is
2: moulton where... is okay Ah, uh, but is he doing something else <laughs>
4: No, he said for the next round of Asian Le Mans
1: series. All right, so it's in Kuala Lumpur then, so I was entirely wrong, not Malaysia. Um, Kuala
2: Lumpur is in Malaysia. Is it? Yes.
1: All right, sure. okay. Sorry, I shouldn't have doubted myself. Um, it is 236 for two. Um, Owen Morgan uh, and Joe Root at the crease at the moment, chasing 361. Um, and,
2: uh, uh, so next year, they're going to Australia. We already knew that, to the Ben, but we yes. know which date they're going. Yes, we do. It's
1: the 10th to the 12th of January. Yay! Um, so three
2: weeks before Bathurst.
1: Yes, and in between the two Daytona events. So the Raw, yeah. then this, and and then Daytona, effectively, with a, a, a extra week. Um, now, traditionally, that is the Dubai 24-hour weekend, but we haven't had that um, confirmed quite yet. So we'll have to see if that is indeed the case. Uh, Cyril Tashvalen, uh, Tashvalen, uh, Telling us a couple of, of a couple of, of uh, shows ago, was it Tim? Yeah, three, ago, three shows weeks ago. ago? Um, that there will still only be uh, four events uh, in the championship next year, so something's going to have to go. That was the uh, Burrenham. Um,
2: Race in Thailand.
1: Yes. But I don't know whether that one's going to be moved or whether we're going to lose it. But definitely only four events for next year, increasing to five the year after. So we'll find
2: out one. in the next 24 hours what the rest of that calendar is.
1: Well, almost certainly the moment we go off air and, and we start the London Classic Car Show, um, it will, oh, they'll make the announcement this weekend, won't they, when everybody's there for the, the final? Uh,
2: staying in Asia. Yep but a little further north. Okay. Aston Martin is to return to Super GT. Yes. Cool.
1: Well, well, uh, right, before everybody gets too excited, because don't forget, uh, there is an Aston Martin-shaped car in Class 1 touring cars. Uh, our motorsport will be running a Vantage-shaped car in DTM. It's not in GT500. It's, no, it's a
2: GT3 car.
1: It's going to be a GT3, and therefore will run in the secondary class in GT300. Um, this is team d station um which sounds like a 90s band doesn't it d station d ring um they are switching from porsche uh to the new uh gt3 version of the new vantage and uh darren turner will join the team uh, for the 500 miles of fuji uh it's Tonobo fuji the driver, uh, he returns. and have
2: palo de Oliveira. Yeah, J.
1: Peter Oliveira, who was a uh, the next big thing for Nissan, wasn't he? And it was at one, thought he was going to get an LMP1 drive, and and he, he's, he's star. I'm afraid has or he's uh, he's light has rather wind uh, recently. Maybe this is a chance for him to re-establish himself.
2: Uh, November 23rd and 24th, right at Fuji. Yeah is the uh, suggested date for the joint Super GT DTM race that everyone's been going on about for at least six years. Yeah,
1: 60 years, it feels like. Uh,
2: 14 DTM cars, 15 GT500s, two sprint races, uh, spec tyres.
1: Yeah, Uh, spec tyres for both series. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting, because we were talking to Jan Jan Mardenbrough on the big interview a couple of weeks ago, the tire war is a massive part of super gt that is going to really mix things up there's also going to be one of each manufacturer back at the final round of the dtm yes which is once again at oh, it's got out of my head and i was the there. hockenheim ring hockenheim ring, thank you the hockenheim ring uh, which is where i saw the dt um uh, a couple of years ago and where they did the display the Super GT cards, and if they're anything like that, it was uh, extraordinary. Worth going to see that. Nice drive actually down to there if you're in the uh, UK.
2: Quick bit of British GT news mm-hmm. uh, and KTM are returning to the British GT Championship for the yep. first time since 2011. Uh, now, I know a number of you may uh, think that. Uh, uh, this is uh, not a, a great car because it is prone uh, to have its uh, front right corner completely collapsed for no apparent reason. Really? Uh, or maybe that's just when uh, Graham Goodwin crashes it. Oh, that's harsh.
1: It. That, uh, it was only a wheel rim, in fairness. Johnny Palmer will tell you that story.
2: Johnny was not in the car. Mm,
1: it's not what he says. But anyway.
2: He, he was watching from a distance.
1: OK. He... Um, I- is uh, it's going to have Mike McCollum
2: back? and Sean Cooper as the uh, drivers in the X Bow Crossbow, crossbow yeah. Gen 2.
1: Yeah, still running the Audi engine. And we've seen those do quite well in Kreventnik uh, as well. Yes, they also
2: raced in uh, car last year.
1: Yep, a lovely little thing. Uh, lovely little thing. Right, it's been a busy one tonight, but I think that's just about it.
2: Uh, yes, I do have uh, a story that you say is not news. so... Uh, we'll which, I- which is? Uh, V8. V8 Supercars is going to be a summer series. Well,
1: they're going to extend their calendar by about a month, effectively. They're going to start at a tiny bit earlier. About a month earlier. Yes. That's all it is, really. Um, we'll
2: find out more in June.
1: Well, we'll get Creelty on to to talk about in the next few weeks. We've been talking about formalising a a down-under news report on a more regular basis. And uh, maybe we can get Creelty to to kick in a bit more about that. But I've read that carefully. And as with the WEC 2020 rules, there's a lot of people running around with their hair on fire because they don't like change. Um, And actually, when you read it, there's very little change. Uh, Same with the WEC. Thank you for all
2: the... I've uh, I've forgotten our most important story as well. Which was? Uh, If you were in Sweden at the weekend, you did not see Seb win. 200,000
1: people were watching and none of them saw a Seb win the Swedish rally.
2: It was uh, Tanak who won. It was. Uh, And that means he leads the World Rally Championship for the very first time.
1: Yep. And uh, it was a... Quite an exciting event.
2: Uh, He's seven points clear of uh, Thierry Nerville with Sebastian Ogier uh, in third, a further nine points behind.
1: Thank you for all the tweets tonight. Very sensible conversation about that WEC story that we ran at the beginning. The uh, article that I referenced from Mark, Mark Schurig uh, is in the current uh, issue of Automotor und Sport and it is called. Uh, let me just check out what it is in German. Hypercars on a hype. Hypercars without the hype. Marcus Schurig. Uh, worth getting a hold of a copy of that. It isn't online, um, but all of the background information is on there. And we'll keep you up to date with what comes out of that uh, Paris Accord. Or maybe not uh, today. Uh, suffice to say, it doesn't really matter what happens with the regulations. Le Mans is still Le Mans. And if the formula was 1977... Austin Allegro SS's, then somebody would find 65 of them, and that would be how many that was out of there, uh, that entered for the Le Mans 24 hours. And funny enough, talking about Austin Allegro's, uh, next on RS1... Oh,
2: that's where the Austin Allegro thing comes from.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Nick and I talk all kinds of classic cars as we visit the London Classic Car Sure, but thanks for listening to Midweek Motorsport tonight. To all of our guests, uh, particularly to Johnny Westbrook, we wish them well with the Dunlop Saloon Car Championship for those classic touring cars in the Tom Walkinshaw, Tim Harvey, and David Leslie trophies. Uh, And we'll be back the same time next week when Nick will be back with us. In the meantime, there's no time to explain because the llama is eyeing up a Volvo estate very enviously.